What's up, survivors? Welcome to D180, the horror podcast taking you on a ride. Janae is here. Hey, y'all. And uh, if I sound a little bit, I am a little bit. Shout out to Afro Horror Happy Hour on Tuesdays. Um, we be with Cole, Trey, Jennifer, Sade, John, and everybody else. Tonight we was talking about Jennifer's body. It was a real good time. They normally have a lot of different things going on, so I'll plug their socials down at the bottom, and you know, you can hang with them on IG, Clubhouse, all that good stuff. But what have you been up to, Nay? Well, before I start, I do want to give a disclaimer. If y'all hear weird background <laughs> um, in the middle of this recording, um, <laughs> my neighbors been acting a little crazy, and yeah, so if y'all hear weird shit, sorry in advance. Just like that little knocking that you probably just heard. Uh-huh. <laughs> that knocking noise will probably happen more than once during this recording. Um, but what am I about to? Crocheting like an old lady and watching. I've been seeing that. It's so pretty. Thank you. And just watching TV, honestly. Watching movies and binge watching okay. shows. Uh, last week, I basically watched all five seasons of Queen Sugar. I'm all caught up mm. now. I know. <laughs> I'm all caught up now. Um, but yeah, that's about it. What about you? What you been up to? Um, I mean, besides that clubhouse, same thing. Just watching movies. Of course, it's springtime. So I'm a little excited because, you know, I'm a plant mama. Um, I already went and bought some little pots and some new soil for my baby. So, um if y'all ever want to talk plants on D180, you know, we could we could figure something out. But, you know, I know it's a horror place, but I'm just saying. But before we start talking about this movie, because this is our first Survivor submission, I'm a little excited because um, both of us hadn't heard about this movie. But before I talk about that, I want to start by saying rest in peace to Yapet Koto, who passed away on Monday night at the age of 81. Some of you guys might know him for his roles in such things like um, A Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Alien, and I know that he also played Mr. Big in, I believe, 007, so definitely rest in peace to him. Oh, man, that's actually sad to hear. I mean, long life, definitely better than hearing that someone, you know, died young, untimely, but definitely rest in peace to him. So this is our first Survivor submission, and John A., um, I have a lot of feelings, mixed feelings, but I'll talk about that. <laughs> it's a lot of things to be said about this movie, homegirl. Yeah, so much. <laughs> someone wrote a 57-page thesis about it. <laughs> so this is our first Survivor submission, and um, we got a lot of questions for you, Mr. Edgar, who suggested 2012's Excision. Uh this is all in line with March's theme for Grow Up, Sis. As you guys know, this is this is actually the third movie of the month. We only got one more movie until our new theme, but we'll talk about that all a little bit later. Um, Mr. Edgar, sir, when I first watched this movie, the first half, I was ready to come for whoever suggested this movie. It's a slow burn. And I just was not here for it at first. Just curious. Just curious. Are you a slow burn type in general? Like, do you, do you enjoy those or it's a no for you? Or it depends on like what's going on? Yeah, it depends. And for this, I would say no. And I'll explain why later. Mm-hmm. But 
it really depends. Some things are like deserve a slow burn, especially if there's a lot of explanation that's happening, a lot of background information and whatever, whatever, before the main character gets turned up. Mm -hmm. But with this one, it was a little bit, eh, eh, eh. I'll I'll explain as we're going on, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it too early. Yeah, I got you. Before we go, before we go, (laughs) what do you think about Miss Pauline? See, look, check this out. If if I could imagine in my head, stay with me, okay, y'all? And y'all who've been listening from day one, y'all gonna be right with us. Is Pauline not nothing but Helga G. Pataki, Alice... Alice from Alice Sweet Alice with a dash of Daria. Is that not Pauline? Oh my God. Is that, that's Pauline to a T. First of all, and this is like, you know, how we do it here, guys. We're walking to the right. So this is no spoiler, but you know, if you're interested in the movie, you want to know, let me tell you about Pauline. Pauline is not the usual. (laughs) She is very different from all of the other girls we've been talking about this month. Let's just start there. Her her comebacks. She has really good comebacks though. And quick and quick. She's not playing with these girls. She is not. And she, she is straight. When I tell you I was laughing at some of these because it was unexpected. Same. Oh my gosh. Same. I want to talk about how like this, uh, you've seen Heather's. Yes, but... It's been a while? Yeah. So it's yeah. been one of those movies where if it's not like... I'm just going to tell you the movies I watch all the time. If it's mm-hmm. not like I'm not watching like Grease or, you know, Mummy or... Shoot, like stuff that you see all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to really remember the plot. Like Heather's, I'll right. probably watch like every couple of years. Right, and it's it's one of those movies, so I get it. It's like, I mean, for me, I really do like it, but it's not something I'm watching all the time because it is pretty loaded. But not only that, it comes on, like, you know, certain movies that come on, like, TBS, TNT, and stuff like that, where you with your parents, and my mom, she's, like, a sci-fi junkie, too, so she'll, like, put on anything that's on the TV, and we'll sit there and watch it, so it's, like, Mm -hmm. one of those things. Yeah, why I brought that up is because this movie has a lot of dark comedy in it, so we could talk about it when we get there, for my people who are still trying to figure out if you should watch the movie. This almost makes you think that this is going to be one of those demanding mother characters and she's the source of all the conflict and issues. And Pauline, no, that's literally not it. Like Pauline is aware of what's going on. For me not to put any spoilers in it. Um, Girl, if I was Pauline, this is not. I would be alive today. This isn't your average spoiled girl trying to rebel against her mom. This is like way deeper than that. So Richard Bates Jr. directed this movie. He also wrote it. And this is his first feature film. And it's not bad for being his first feature film, but you can actually. It's really not. It's not. And it's not a bad attempt. I mean, you, you know, we cut people up. When it comes to first attempts, we're not too nice about it. But This is also why I was going to come for whoever 
you know, recommended that we watch this because I was like, y'all must like when we cut up films because how I was feeling <laughs> the first half of this movie, I was ready to slice and dice the fuck out of this movie. Mm-hmm. But then after I watched it, I was like, okay, all right, I, I see it. I see. He was it. ready to be violent in the park. I was. I was get ready. kicked out. <laughs> you trying to get? You know we can't be uh violent while we on shift. You was trying to. You oh, was trying to be at the ticket booth. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> you about to kick me all the way out. Turn in your badge, please. <laughs> oh my gosh, this movie is produced by Dylan Hale Lewis. It stars Anna. Okay, so let's talk about this cast, though. And the irony in this casting is just right. <laughs> so. I'm not going to name all, I'm going to name like the the notable ones and the ones who have a lot of appearance. Basically the ones on the DVD cover, because they give it all away. So you have Anna Lynn McCord as Pauline. Mm-hmm. Y'all know Anna Lynn. Anna Lynn is known for playing vixen roles. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Nip Tuck, I vaguely remember watching Nip Tuck with my mama. Right. She was on Nip Tuck, but I remember her from the 90210 reboot on yeah. the CW, and then the Dallas reboot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, shout out to the makeup team because you guys made her look thrashed, okay? Like people, like they made her really look like a little sweaty, oily, acne-written little mess. Ex- yeah, they really did. Because I didn't realize that was her at first until, you know, obviously... I went back and did the research after I saw it. Or really, like, when when we were having our dream sequences, I was like, is that her? And then I realized it was. And then I realized who it was. And I was like, I just can't get over how realistic those breakouts look. It's one of it's one thing I do have a little problem with, and I probably noticed that you noticed it, and we'll get there when we get there. But hats off to the makeup crew. Y'all did yeah. I know. I knew who she was in the very, very opening of the movie. Mm-hmm. But when she decides to wake up, I Instagram was like, versus reality. My God. <laughs> so then we have Tracy Lords as Phyllis, and Phyllis is the mama. Mm-hmm. Y'all know Tracy Lords. Oh, girl. We know the Tracy. Infamous. We know Tracy. The infamous. Mm. If you don't know, you better look it up. Hello? Playing a Christian mom, though. Super, super clean. But she <laughs> shed that She shed that identity back um, when she decided to have her baby and stuff. She was like, yeah, I'm over this. True. And so she almost didn't do Zach and, was it Zach and Mimi or Zach and Miri make a porno? Yeah, I remember that. But then when she read the script, she was like, oh, it's all right. Right. Aria Winter as Grace. She plays Alex Dunphy on Modern Family. I've never watched that show. My mom loves Modern Family. My sister it- watches it too. But if you don't recognize her from Modern Family, you may recognize her voice from Phineas of Herb. She played Gretchen. <gasps> what? Yeah. She played Gretchen on Phineas of Herb. And then uh, Sophia the First. She is Sophia on that Disney Channel show, Sophia the First. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's been a while because I haven't babysat in a long time. It's been like a year. But, oh. So yeah. sweet. You better get that um, voiceover bag money. Hello. She's in a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Then I mean, have, that's the main character. Right. <laughs> then we had Roger Bart as Bob. If you don't know Roger, I recognize him from The Step for Wives. That is my movie. 
Mm-hmm. And he was also in Desperate Housewives. Then we have Jeremy Sumpter as Adam. And he played Peter Pan in that live action from 2003. And we have Malcolm McDowell as Mr. Cooper, which is one of the teachers. Don't yeah. know him. He's from Halloween 2007 and Halloween 2, 2009. Right. He also plays Alex from A Clockwork Orange, which makes it even crazier. Because have you seen that movie? No. Okay, well, one day we'll get to it on the podcast, but I'm just telling you right now, like, you just, it's better be ready for this shit. But a lot, I'll just bring this up now, um, a lot of people that are casted in this movie, there's a lot of irony in the roles they play. Like, this next a character, one. yeah, a character that um, Malcolm McDowell plays in A Clockwork Orange literally parallels Pauline. But go ahead, continue. You you on you on with me, right? Because this next one is my boo, Matthew Gray Gubler. Gubler, mm-hmm. he plays Mr. Claybo, and he plays Reed Spencer Reed on Criminal Minds. And if y'all don't know, I love Criminal Minds. I was so happy because a couple of weeks ago I finally found season 13, 14, and fifteen on Hulu, and I finished out my reign with Criminal Minds. I watched it from start to finish. <laughs> and I just there's there's a nod to him later on in the movie, and I'm definitely gonna point it out. I love him so much. He's one of my favorites. I, all the characters on Criminal Minds, I love him so much. Okay, <laughs> so we have Marley Matlin as Amber, and Marley is also another one of my faves. Yeah, she was on Magician. Shout out to Toby from Teeth. But if you, my first introduction to Marley was on the L word and I shouldn't have been watching the L word because <laughs> like in middle school and yeah but my first introduction to her was in the L word and I love her I love her mm-hmm. so much and everything that she's in she's great then we have Ray Wise as Principal Campbell he was on Jeepers Creepers too and Powder I love Powder I feel bad though because one of my friends I told them that they had looked like Powder mm-hmm so here's the thing. If you ever listen to this, I'm sorry that I ever said this to you, but he was online for me. <laughs> listen, he was online for Omega. And most of my friends who were online for Omega, they always lost weight. Well, he's mm-hmm. like super light skinned, you know, they shave your head bald. And right. when he's bald and like super light bright, and he was looking like powder. <laughs> and yeah, they said I was mean when I said that, but Mm-mm. he really did look like powder. Then we have John Waters as William. He Come on, John Waters. As the Reverend. And if you don't know John Waters, who are you? <laughs> and why? Just why? Him just being the pastor in itself right. is just like, when they cut to him in that scene, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you here? <laughs> right. So this movie was released. January 21st, 2012 at Sundance. I don't think it got a theatrical release or anything like that, simply right. because I couldn't find anything about the budget or box office or anything like that. So I think it was like something that was strictly um, released for Sundance. Right, it just um, probably didn't get picked up, which is crazy because, F it, I'm just going to talk about it now. Um, so I feel like this movie would have did way better if it came out like in the later years. So it came out in 2012, right? If it would have came out like after 2015, like maybe at the latest 2017, so you got like Get Out, The Witch, The Invitation, 
uh, the new It, Ready or Not, Hereditary, Babadook, all these movies that's more dealing with psychological things or like, you know, it's more... I'm trying to think, what was the vibe in 2012? Were we still like doing like found footage and ghost stories? I don't think people was ready for a story like this yet. That's really what it was. I felt like this would have done so much better had it had a later release. Um, in 2012, we had House at the End of the Street. Uh, Which is, ain't that a ghost story? I don't, I don't even know if I watched that one. Yeah, ain't that? No. Sinister. Right, a ghost story, even though I do like Sinister. The the sequel is mid, but, you know, it's a, it's a clean and day watch. But, Rock like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, around that time, I don't think people was ready for stuff like this, because this is... Mm. Devil Inside. The Woman in Black. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, you naming these movies with the knock. I just wonder how people feel listening to this because it's so it's so tension filled right now. It's like you're like da 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 da, pow, da 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 da, pow. Like I'm Paranormal just, Activity Four. Pow. <laughs> it's done now. See, no, it's because I called it out and those were one piece. So chill out for a little while. <laughs> um, can we talk? Can we talk about the background of this movie? Because this actually was based off a of short in 2008. Yes. And so I know we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, so Robert Bates Jr. Wait, is it I'm yeah, Richard Bates Jr., sorry. Richard mm-hmm. <laughs> Richard Bates Jr. He actually created a short film called Excision, and it was um, done in 2008. And honestly, I like the short better than the <gasps> What? I, I, have, I feel the absolute opposite. All right, let's talk about it. Bet I'm with this. Let's go. Because you, you want me to go first or you want to go first? I want to talk about why I like it better at the okay, end go ahead. because we haven't delved into all that makes up the movie yet. Mm-hmm. But I like long story short, short sweet to the point. That's okay. why I like it because it's short okay. sweet to the point. And okay. I feel like there was a few, rep- it was a lot of repetitive scenes in the movie. As far as the short, the short was like literally short, sweet to the point. 18 minutes, yeah. Whereas the movie, it was a lot of repetitive scenes. So it's like a lot of dinner scenes, a lot of prayer scenes, a lot of fantasy scenes. And it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, so where where is this going? Okay, I could, I could see a point for that. For me, um, I did not like the short because okay obviously this is a short the movie is obviously what they expanded on you could clearly see for anybody who hasn't seen the short um if you want to see it we'll link it down below but um it's none of the same actors obviously one of my biggest problems was i did not like that version of pauline she is a a straight asshole like the movie the movie version 
she pushes it. She pushes it. She's really sassy. But at the same time, uh, I'll expand on it a little more. There are layers to the movie Pauline. This short Pauline, like, I was just like, okay, well, this kid is just an asshole. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she, like, just hauled off and did what she did. Like, she didn't treat anybody with any type of anything. Like, even in the Jump Rope Girl, that was totally her fault. Like, she's an idiot in the shorts. Like, girl, what? No. The way the short played out, she, you know what? I hate saying people deserve stuff, but use a dummy bitch, like Monique was saying. <laughs> precious she did that to herself other than that one thing that i liked that the short did that the movie did not do was there's a scene where um that scene where pauline comes in from skipping school that day and she was at the library and she gets smacked and it goes to the flashback of like them at the park with baby yeah. to touch her so you kind of see like her mama been treating her like that the whole time so maybe if we had to switch some of those repetitive scenes out for other things like maybe go back to her childhood to see or like not even you know different parts of when Pauline had clearly been telling that she had been asking for help or this has been an ongoing thing with her like maybe you know we could have seen more of that or something but not only that really- there was a part there was a part in the short where she's actually mixing up the the sedative or the chloroform mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i wish they would have put that in the movie we see the books that she has on her table and i was going to bring those up later but still those books have nothing to do with what she was doing i mean they do but not like mixing things yeah and then i would explain the scene in question because I had a write and I'm like, so did she chloroform them or did she just suffocate them? Yeah, I just fig- I had, I figured it had to be chloroform because you know, true crime. That's what it. it what else would it be? I mean, of course. <laughs> but oh no, I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying like you know, typical of us to just automatically be like, yep, chloroform. Ooh, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Can we talk? Okay, I'm not. I understand that this is the short, and sometimes we're working on a budget. But those dream scenes in the short, honey, girl, it was. <laughs> I don't like. I said I understand we was working on a budget, but baby, when I was saying, I feel like we could have did something else. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it was giving like. Okay, I don't know how to describe this. I've been thinking of a way to describe this all day. I'm not gonna hold you. Frankenstein? You know how, hmm? Like a Frankenstein? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, I'm being petty. I'm being very petty with this selection. You know how, like, when we're younger and, you know, we start taking photo shoots with random people and they really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what them dream sequences look like. And see, because you agree with me. You agree with me. And if y'all seen the short, y'all mouth is probably open too because y'all agree with me. And I'm not, I'm not stunting on them. I understand this was a short, like I said, but I'm just, they clean, they snapped in the movie. Those are gorgeous. They gorgeous in the movie. I can't wait to post them on IG. Like I will just post all the dream scenes because they are beautiful, but. Girl, they were too many. Too many. In the shorts. They was a little, they was rough, but. Too many dream sequences for me. 
Well, I don't, I don't, you got me excited to talk about this. Um, you ready to dip out? Oh, wait, uh, one more thing. So this movie was filmed in 28 days. 28 days? 28 days. That's a month. That's February. Yep. I mean, not as fast as Tyler Perry. You know, Tyler Perry be cranking on stuff. I'm like, you know what? You know what? I was really done with him. <laughs> Do you remember when he posted that video and he was like, these are all my scripts. I wrote all of these scripts. These are all my scripts. Yep. And I'm not, I'm not talking about him. I'm just saying like, okay, that's fine. That, that's cool. But I'm just still on these set designs and these wigs. Like, honey, <laughs> that's okay. Like, Beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns, nice words, but it's the content, it's the physical, it's the, it's the aesthetic that I need from you, Tyler. I'm done. All right, <laughs> let's go to the cute luck. <laughs> Howdy, survivors. Please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times. Hang on to your personal belongings, especially your minds and spines, because... This here's a wild ride. Okay, so this week I have a game. Did we do a game last week? Yes. Yeah, we did. Okay. You're right. Because I think you were asking me about college. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my juju. I bought the DVD. Uh, It's so pretty. I just, uh, that movie did something to me, man. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. The movie did something to me. You know what it did to me? <laughs> so I went to go get a wax yesterday. <laughs> As I was laying on the table, the first thing that I thought of was, damn, I forgot to take the Tylenol before I left the house because I take Tylenol 30 minutes before I get a wax. But then my mind went to homegirl getting waxed by her sister. <laughs> Because I got a little scared because my, my wax lady, she had started to, I felt like she was struggling a little bit. Because, you know, like before the wax completely pull, cools, they leave like a little piece that's kind of like lifted up so they can pull it easily. Yeah. It was like she was struggling to get that little piece. And then <gasps> I, used to, I instantly thought of homegirl kicking her sister and amputating her. And I was just sitting there like, oh, my God. I hope that this was probably sweating. Oh, I was sweating all right. I got up off the table. My back was wet because I I was making like you know we talked about like we haven't been eating meat, but you know I just had some in the freezer, so I was like, let me just get rid of this because I don't want to waste food. And I started to clean it, and when I was cleaning it, I was looking at it, and I was just like, I don't think I could do this no more. Like, how did you do this, Juju? Here is the game. Well, actually, I'm going to, it's like, was it 15 questions? And you're going to guess these surgical procedures. (gasps) Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I've just seen myself in that garage. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh my gosh. And so technically, this is like a Grey's Anatomy quiz. Oh, gosh. But since this movie is about a girl who wants to be a surgeon, it makes sense. Side note, every time I hear Grey's Anatomy, I just have flashbacks of me sitting in my mom's room, getting my hair done, 
<laughs> well, we both watch Grey's Anatomy. Like, hello. I was still okay. Like, a lot of y'all probably just had flashbacks, as I said. That that's definitely how most of y'all probably met that show through y'all mamas combing y'all hair, getting on y'all nerves. Don't let hey, her bring her. out that hot comb. Hearing her talk about McDreamy and McSteamy. Okay. I'm like, girl. I mean, as I got older, I understood. But then, I don't understand how some, like, I know people who go back and watch the whole thing from start to finish every year before a new season comes out. And I'm like, how? There's like a million seasons at this point. Oh, no, child. No. Like, it's bad enough I watch Criminal Minds. You make me feel like I work there at the hospital. Right? Like, I love Criminal Minds, and there's 15 seasons, and they're also getting a reboot on Par- Paramount Plus. But anyways, I watch- Hey, yo, Paramount Plus is showing out. They Hello. are coming for everybody, and I might just, I might have to get parts. So I'm going to wait until something comes out that I really want to watch, and then I'll finesse a free subscription. Or mm-hmm. I'll wait until Verizon decides that they might do something with Paramount Plus. But I don't think they will because they already did their free year with um, Disney Disney Plus. They just did a free year with Discovery Plus, all of mm-hmm. HGTV shows and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, um, so I don't think that they're going to do Paramount Plus. Oh, and then if you have a certain plan, you get Disney Plus, Hulu, and uh, ESPN Plus for free. I didn't tell you that story. No. Girl, let me tell you about a black woman finesse real quick. Okay. <laughs> so y'all know, so y'all know how the memes be going around talking about how we just be finessing stuff. Like if you hand the phone over to a black woman, just no shit's about to go down. So check this out. My sister is a nurse and she's out in Texas, you know, with everything that's going on, whatever. So something happened to her phone. She needed a new phone. So my mama swooped her up, put her on her plan, boom, boom, boom. She calls Verizon. It's like, hey, yo, I need to add this bill to the line, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you up, you good for an upgrade? Okay, cool. So my mom and my sister upgraded their phones. I was jealous because I want to upgrade, but that's not the point. When they got their upgrades, they was like, oh, by the way, since you got these phones, we're giving you uh, two years of that Disney Plus package, girl, and check this out. It was right on time because I was the one. How we do it at my family, everybody in my family picks a streaming service and they pay that service and we share the password with everybody. It's a family street. Like that makes the most sense. And for Netflix to be trying to crack down and stuff. How you going to prove, how you going to tell me that's not a family? We, how you know that we don't pay for grandma's TV that lives in Indiana? Okay. And it is talking about some that they want to send. Like if you log in to Netflix, they're going to send like an email confirmation to say, hey, was this you into this code? My mama not going to sit up there and enter the code every time I want to log into Netflix. Right. I mean, we have a group chat. So, I mean, I could see, you know. But still, that's annoying because the person who email belonged to, they still gonna have to check it. Da, 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 da. But I'm just like, bro, don't do the most. Just keep it good like you got it. Don't complain. And just shut up because we could go somewhere else. True. Who Better act like you know. Okay. Who's looking okay these days? Because to be honest, because to be honest, Netflix, y'all slacking in the horror section anyway. <laughs> so. Honestly, I'm finding all these movies that we're talking about on like random free channels on on Tubi, on Pluto, on Voodoo. Was it? I'm not gonna give up my other plug, but you know who you are. 
Yeah, y'all. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> First question. What surgical procedure examines a corpse to determine cause of death? Three choices. Autopsy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was reading this word <laughs> we had to pronounce. <laughs> oh, I was like, do you want me? I was like, I can't answer. <laughs> no, is autopsy cholecystectomy? Cholecystectomy and then deep brain stimulation. It's autopsy. All right. Next question. They don't tell you the right answer until the end. Oh. I know, right? So what surgical procedure treats pancreatic cancer? Uh-huh. Transfusion, Whipple, Norwood procedure. Oh. Let's go with the third one. All right. What type of surgery concerns the brain and the spinal cord? Orthopedic surgery, plastic surgery, neurosurgery. It's neurosurgery. I know this one because my dad has Parkinson's, so I know a little something, something. Shoot, I be learning all types of stuff when people get sick and email and sit there and listen to every single thing. You're like, dang, I didn't even know this existed. All right. What surgical procedure removes one or both breasts? Mastectomy, coronary artery bypass, cholecystectomy. How do you say it? Google, look, I'm looking to see how Google to tell me. Okay, here's the word. Cholecystectomy. It's mastectomy. Well, yeah, I know it's mastectomy, but this is the word I'm trying to say. Oh, (laughs) I'm like, she could tell me what she (laughs) wants. Cholecystectomy. Cholecystectomy. Cool. Okay, back to the quiz. What surgical procedure is used to remove the appendix? Ingenual. Ingenual. Ingen. God. Ingenual <laughs> repair. Appendectomy. Prostate. Prostectomy. Obviously, has a name in it. Because, I mean, appendix. Just go with the second one. Just go with the second one. What procedure is performed by removing part of the skull to gain access to the brain? Jesus. <laughs> Free skin graft, craniotomy. Cr- Why can't I say anything? Okay. Free <laughs> skin graft, craniotomy, cataract surgery. It's the second one. <laughs> you saw I was about to try to pronounce it too. I said, hey, no. <laughs> What surgical procedure is used to deliver one or more babies? Ooh. Mammoplasty, cesarean section, hysteroscopy. I mean, a cesarean is just when they slice you in the tummy. So, um, I mean, a cesarean, that's, I mean, but some people push out multiple babies with the vagina. Cesarean, because I feel like they're going to try to play me on that too. It's cool. So the next one, in what surgical procedure is the fascia cut to treat the loss of circulation to an area of tissue or muscle? Jesus. <laughs> Abdominoplasty, autopsy, fasciotomy. Fasciotomy. The third one. Which surgical specialty focuses on the heart? General surgery, pediatric surgery, cardiothoracic, th- cardiothoracic surgery. It's the third one. And what type of surgery is a diseased heart? 
replaced with the healthy heart of a deceased person. Jesus. <laughs> Cardiac transplant, acromioplasty, palatoplasty. Um, it's like, I'd be really trying to look into, like, break down these words and say what that word and this word mean. But you know what? We just here for a good time until this rise starts. So I'm going to just go with that first one. It's probably wrong. And you know what? That's fine. <laughs> a web simple <laughs> surgical procedure is a tube inserted into the throat of a patient. Oh, Jesus. Hernioplasty, intubation, autoplasty. It's intubation. I know that. In what surgical procedure are major organs removed from a donor to be used in transplants or research? Craniotomy, cystectomy, organ harvest. Organ harvest? Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's a choice. Um, I don't think it's that. Because <laughs> that would mean like we're, we're getting them. We're giving them away. Let's, let's just go with the second one. Because organ harvest, that means you're getting them. Dang it, I pressed the wrong one. I already answered it. It won't let me change it. It's okay. Okay, and then the next one is, in what surgical procedure is a diseased valve replaced with a pig valve? Um, you have hysterectomy, porcine, porcine, porcine valve replacement, and then cesarean section. So with the second one. <laughs> And then the last one is, which surgical specialty focuses on abdominal organs? General sur surgery, plastic surgery, neurosurgery. Wait, 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 wait. Run that back for me. Which surgical specialty focuses on abdominal organs? General surgery, plastic surgery, neurosurgery. It got to be general because, well, plastic, but plastic can be anything, though. But it gotta be oh, general. That feel like that's a TV show. <laughs> or general surgery, general whatever the freak. General hospital. <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's such general somebody. Um, general surgery, cause I'm like plastic surgery. That any these days we seen that girl change her face. That's so much. I mean, but I guess that's not necessarily plastic. But would you put, go with the first one? I'm not about to overthink this. I'm not dreaming right. to be so, a surgeon like Pauline. So actually, it says you got 100% right, but that's <gasps> actually, it's actually wrong. Because oh. <laughs> remember when I said that I accidentally chose har organ harvest instead of cystectomy? Mm -hmm. It's actually organ harvest. Oh, wow. Yeah, because when you remove, so basically, so it's saying that um, what surgical procedure are major organs removed from a donor to be used in transplants or? Oh, and I thought you were saying organs. given to. Like, I, okay, got you, got you, got you, got you. But other than that, you got all of them right. Well, okay, okay, maybe I can hand Pauline a tool or two. All right, well, that is it for the game. Yay, look at me. <laughs> there go Jason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yes. Dear God, my little sister is slowly dying, and my mom 
as I'm sure you know, is a total bitch. Chew with your mouth closed. I'm planning on having premarital sex. I'd accept full responsibility for all my actions. But let's face it, he gave me hormones. You contract an STD from having sex with a dead person? Go to your room. I've got some old jump ropes. I don't think so. You are a very troubled little girl. I want to lose my virginity to you. <laughs> People like Natalie need to be punched in the face. Take off your clothes, Adam. Mr. Cooper, I think I'm gonna be sick. Tough it out. It's not my fault I was born with a chemical imbalance. She's a menace, and it is impossible to love her. We are praying for a miracle. Some of your behavior has been downright sociopathic. I don't know a teenager who doesn't profile as a sociopath. This trailer was so long. And I mean, I get it. I get it. This was, this didn't have a theatrical run. So there was no need for them to put together a shorter trailer for it because this was the one that was previewed at Sundance. Obviously, it's going to tell you more of the story. So you can try to see if you're interested in seeing the full feature. But it is what it is. I mean, with that being said, it is what it is. So I really can't be like, well, this gave away the whole other that I can't really yeah. get it off that. So, I mean, basically, it's just her saying, and the only reason I know this is because I've acquired the script to this movie. It's her saying the fifth prayer that she prays out and um, intertwined with clips from the movie. And you kind of see what her life is like in two minutes. So with that being said, let's dive <laughs> into the life of a budding psychopath. Attention survivors, from this point on, spoilers will be dropped. If you'd like to skip to the queue line, please refer to the timestamps below. See you on the other side. Um, can we talk about how pretty this title card is? This is a pretty ass blue. And I know I said this before, but I can't wait to post this on our IG because this it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna say that too. So the movie opens with a title card, and honestly, with the way the movie opened up, I was confused as fuck. I didn't know if Amazon was tripping again, if the movie started <laughs> in the middle or not. Mm-hmm. Cause I was confused as to this opening. After the title card, 
you have analysts sitting in a blue room on a chair dressed in white staring at at an identical but bloody version of herself the bloody version of her is hemorrhaging and like she's puking up blood or whatever yeah convulsing and stuff Right, and the non-bloody one is staring at her having an orgasm in the chair. Right. What the fuck is this? Yeah, I, I have to admit. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how we started. This is one of those type of movies. Okay. I was confused because I, I, I really thought that Amazon was tripping again. I had to pause it to be like, is this the beginning of the movie? Is this the middle? Like, what? what? It was the beginning. And then, so, in the middle of that, bloody, the bloody version of herself, spit up blood on the clean one and then Annalyn wakes up I thought like I immediately thought this was going to be one of those um she's ugly now but she'll be pretty later like she's the man type movies I definitely thought we were about to go in that direction I didn't all I could think of was my god perfect <laughs> after she wakes up we cut her sister in a rocking chair undergoing a breathing treatment then it cuts to her parents in their room and the mom comes out the bathroom and scolds the father for not lifting the lid when he's the toilet and mm-hmm. I instantly was like ew that's disgusting because she didn't say he didn't lift the seat she said he didn't lift the lid mm-hmm. you know who you know who they reminded me of who they they remind me of the parents from better watch out yeah it's literally the same energy but this one i feel like these parents are a little more rounded out it seems the parents and better watch out they're they're aware of how snarky and sassy they are to each other but obviously in this movie it's a one-sided thing but i just thought that was nasty as fuck because if you didn't lift the lid that means that you probably peed all over the floor i mean don't they don't y'all I, I, grew up <laughs> and I shared a bathroom with two boys up until October. We go to breakfast and Phyllis scolds Pauline for not chewing with her mouth closed because she is chewing kind of nasty. First of all, no, 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 no. Pause real quick because I just want to say how dare she say something to Pauline when Grace was doing the same thing until she said something and then she stopped. Grace was chewing with her mouth open too, but you just actively decided to go after Pauline. <laughs> I clocked that both times I watched the movie I'm like hold up wait a minute after she scolds her Pauline gets up because she's uncomfortable and she gets up without excusing herself and then mm-hmm. Phyllis scolds her again and meanwhile Bob is unbothered reading his newspaper and then after Pauline leaves the table Phyllis tells her other daughter thank goodness I have you and, like, instantly, you can tell the difference between the two girls. Pauline's throughout, an and then Grace is an angel. Throughout the entire movie, you could just see how differently she treats the two girls. And it's it's nowhere near trying to be low-key. And I have a family member who does that to their children. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to put them on blast, but it's kind of sad to watch. It is. So we go to school, and my boo Matthew is the <laughs> biology teacher. He's talking about STDs, whatever, whatever, whatever. Of Paul course. <laughs> to raise her hand and ask if you can contract an STD from having sex with a dead person. This is basically Visual. just establishing that she's that awkward person, basically. Because even in the next scene, 
where we go along to the two girls, Natalie and Abigail, sitting on a bleacher, and she just plops herself down. I know you haven't seen this movie yet, and I try to avoid bringing up this movie because I do not want your nosy ass to go looking up this movie and ruining the shit. But <laughs> this scene, the next scene, reminds me of Sleepaway Camp because um, you guys out there that know what I'm talking about, Pauline just comes out of nowhere and just sits her ass down, and she's just so awkward. But the movie does a great job, and not even the movie, it's really Anna Leanne doing this. She does a great job with this character. Like, she doesn't have to do too much to get across that she's awkward, but it's so believable. Like, I forget that that's actually her, and Pauline is not a real person. Like, she convinced me that we actually just watched some home video of a girl going crazy. And so one of the girls, she's ta- telling her friend that her dude, Adam, couldn't get it hard, and it was awkward. And so the whole time, Pauline is just sitting there eavesdropping, and the only thing that I can still think is, my God, they made her ugly as fuck for this movie. She's sitting there chewing with her mouth open, her hair is disheveled. She looks, up, she looks crazy. So then Adam walks up, and then he's like, yo, what I'm in this? And Pauline blurts out, your girlfriend's friend thinks you're gay. Girl, no one asked you. I love that, though. I literally love that. That's her character. Like, she is, she's straightforward. She's going to say what she got to say. And even when he, she when no she said that, when she said that, he was like, um, what? And then she was like, oh, yeah, you're too pretty. You're too, you're not pretty enough to be gay. <laughs> what? Like, she don't have no, like, she's one of those people that doesn't understand social cues. You already know how we do and we be talking shit about our significant other, whatever. And you know, we we obviously, well, depending on the conversation, but, you know, when they come around, it's hush-hush, but she just really put the whole set on blast. And nobody wasn't expecting her to blow up the spot like that, but this is what she does. But it does, it's a great way of showing us why she don't get no friends and why people treat her the way they treat her. It's messed up, but... In the car after school on the way to therapy, Pauline refuses to buckle up her seatbelt and her mom scolds her and refuses to drive until she- I'm on the ghetto. (laughs) Once she puts the seatbelt on, Phyllis then decides to ask her about her day. And of course, Pauline doesn't want to tell her. So Phyllis proceeds to smash on the horn until Pauline breaks down and tell her about her day. And the parental control for this is too much. Like the level of parental control is too much for me. And then- Pauline is like, okay, I want to go to an actual therapist. And her mom is like, look, you're just lucky that this man even wants to talk to you. He's doing us a favor. We don't have the money. Mm-hmm. She don't even, the thing about it, Pauline don't even really tell her about her day. She just literally told her two general things and the mom is fine with this. You literally just asked her some surface questions. I mean, or you accepted her surface answers. Now we're at therapy and Pauline asked questions to the Reverend, which is John Waters, that are kind of meant to set you off. And then she tells um, the Reverend that she wants him to experience the same gut-wrenching agony during their sessions that she experiences listening to his sermons every Sunday morning. And he looks so disturbed by this. She said what she said. That's point blank period. That's what I was saying in the beginning about like Helga, Helga would do that. Like Helga would get in your face, say what she gotta say, and then go about her business. Those two characters identify a lot for me now. I don't think, I I hope, I pray, because you know, Helga did have her moments when she was in therapy, and I'm not just saying because you go to therapy, you're gonna be a psycho, because I'm in therapy and it's okay. I'm saying 
the way Helga was brought up in Hey Arnold. She, she, you know, she just had some sense, but if she didn't, this could have been her. Possibly. This is the first prayer sequence. So in this prayer, she's telling God that she doesn't really believe in him. So it's okay if he ignores her. But then she also hasn't read the Bible in satiety because she got mixed reviews about, well, it has mixed reviews. And she's she's an (laughs) avid reader. But then she's like, "Uh, but anyways, I plan on having premarital sex. So forgive me in advance. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So the next day at school, Pauline decides to not finish her math problems in class because she's like, you know, my ability to complete equations have nothing to do with my future as a surgeon. And of course, the teacher is like, that's not completely true. And she rolls her eyes in disgust. And I'm like, sis, you need good grades to be accepted Mm -hmm. into any college program. I'm pretty sure it does, sis. But I mean, you know, I mean, at least he entertains her for a little bit before it just shutting her down. Like some Um, people. Yeah, so we cut (laughs) to her mom in the office with my girl Marley. And she was rude as fuck to Marley. Listen. (laughs) Okay, so Phyllis is speaking slow and loud like Marley is dumb. and Like she's speaking well. Like this is not finding Nemo. Like she was really speaking well to her. And if you don't know, Marley is a deaf actress. So that's uh, that's how I know her. She mm-hmm. she's a deaf actress and she's in a lot of movies and TV shows. Like she has a phenomenal phenomenal background. But right. um Marley was like she signed to her, "Look, I'm not dumb. I'm deaf. You can speak normal." And then Mar- she tells her Phyllis rude ass tells her, "Sweetheart, don't be confusing. You know I can't understand a thing when you start waving your hands around like that." <laughs> She does the whole Finding Nemo thing. That was her inspiration. So then enters Pauline, confused about her mother's presence, with a fond, what the fuck are you doing here? Then Phyllis is like, don't make me wash your mouth out with soap. So Pauline snatches a cotillion flyer out of her mom's hands. Apparently, Phyllis wants to sign her up for cotillion, and um, there's a whole argument about that. But once Pauline storms off the room marley signs to her being in the same room with you and your daughter i'm actually grateful for my hearing loss tell ain't that it um miss pauline you girl you just lucky you the right color because i'm telling you if you was a few shades darker and you had to toss that paper a baby <laughs> that little knock was on beat with it because that's the it, girl i'm just telling you <laughs> at dinner Pauline tells her mom she's too old for c- cotillion but Phyllis is like um this is a whole family dinner type thing but right. Phyllis is like I got them to change the age range so I'm gonna be a chaperone and and that's just that's even worse girl move because I'm not gonna stunt. I didn't do cotillion but I was in charm school I when was, I was in fourth fifth grade what grade were you in I want to say that I was in middle school, either in middle school or like my freshman year of high school or whatever. And mm-hmm. I vividly remember the charm school thing because I had to walk with a book on my head and shit like that. I I kind of like learned a specific way to walk. And I still do that walk to this day when I want to attract attention and get what I want. Because Did you... Did they um, take you out to, like, the dinners and stuff, too? And, like, you had to wear the dresses? Yeah, and it's yeah. so funny, so because... And the gloves. 
Well, I didn't have to wear the gloves, but before the whole uh, and dinners thing, I used to go to a lot of church conventions with um, my grandmother. And at these conventions, they would have like these formal dinners all the time, like, you know, those banquets and stuff. So right. from an early age, I kind of already knew like the different placements, which forks and knives and spoons to use when and all that type of stuff. And like, I know when to turn it on and turn it off. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's always interesting to see things you pick up from the activities you do when you're younger. But that whole charm school and cotillion, especially, ooh, especially cotillion. I, like I said, I ain't do cotillion, but I know a lot of people that did. I wanted I had to a lot of stories. <laughs> I wanted to. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to. And that's because I read, I read a lot of books about, like, people who did cotillions and stuff like that. You know, those young adult books or, like, teen right. books. And I wanted one mm-hmm. so bad. Yeah. Uh, her whole reasoning for pushing her to be in cotillion was that she was not sending her daughter off to college without knowing the ins and outs of what it's like to be a proper lady. Ma'am, and that's not even the issue. Like, you are literally trying to gloss over Pauline's issues versus actually trying to learn what they are, like, sis. Hotel, okay. (laughs) So then Grace tells her mom that she can't wait for cotillion, so then Pauline asks, um, Bob, what he has to say about it all. And he starts to agree by saying, I think what your mother is trying to do. But then Phyllis cuts him off and is like, nah, this was our decision. And of course, Pauline tells her mom she knew her dad had nothing to do with it. So then Phyllis tells Bob that he don't even have enough backbone to stand up for his own wife and that he's repulsive. And then he's like, make sure ta- Grace takes her pills and then gets up from the table. And then he mumbles, unfucking believable. So then we see shots of everyone in their beds except Bob. He's been banished to the couch. And then this is when we get our first fantasy sequence. Fantasy sequence, there's a dead body on a slab with the head blown off. And Pauline is only wearing gauze as panties, like she's topless or whatever. I think and if she- you guys have seen the brand new Suspiria, it's kind of like uh, the red fabric outfit, if you guys have seen it. So she's licking the body and then hops on top of the body. But then this dead body curled its toes like it was turned on. So I'm like, is the body dead or not? I mean, it's a dream. Right. It was a little weird. So then Pauline wakes up and licks her lips in a seductive manner. And it would have been seductive if she was not done up to look so weird and disturbing. Like, it it looked mad weird. So the next day at the bleachers, Pauline walks up to Adam and two of his friends and then weirdly introduced herself and tells him, uh, yeah, I want to lose my beginning to you. She's like, I'm clean. I saved my allowance to get birth control pills and then passes her number through the fence to him. And he takes it and she tells him to call her um, and that, you know, you're at the top of my list. So don't wait. I won't wait forever. How direct. First of all, she pulled up said what she had to say, and got up out of there. And I was not ready for this scene. When I first watched this, I said, oh. Even Homeboy's friends was like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, you has a girlfriend. Exactly. I was about to say that. And she knows that. And he knows that she knows that. Like, she don't care. So later on, Pauline and Grace are seen outside of their home, and Grace is laying on the sidewalk, and Pauline is drawing a crime scene chalk outline around her. Mm -hmm. And when she's done, she tells Grace that she wants to lose her virginity on her period. 
And Grace mm-hmm. is looking at her like she's weird. And then Phyllis walks up and tells them that they're having an early dinner. So then back in the house, Bob Hold is... Hold on, eating- one second. Do you... Okay, so obviously, they no, do this thing. Huh? I said, no, we do not run red lights. Oh, 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 oh. I was not about to ask you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but good to know. <laughs> I was going to ask you. So, you know, they do that. The scene we just talked about, they do that in the short. But yeah, the conversation do. between the girls is different. She's asking Grace about a doctor appointment that she had just came from. And she was like, well, you sure? Like, they didn't say anything about infections and things like that. Versus this one, where she's telling her sister how she wishes to lose her virginity. I wasn't looking at it, looking at it. Like, mm-hmm. it was on. So I don't really know which one I prefer. She then goes into Grace's room to take her off her breathing treatment to tell her that she has her heart. Like, a little sentimental, like, you have my heart. And then Grace is like, eh, I saw Charlotte wearing this dress, and she only dates older boys. And her mom is like, who the fuck is Charlotte? And she sounds trashy. Stay away from her. And then Grace is like, um, she's not trashy. She only dresses like she is. Then we cut to Pauline examining the fuck out of a nose ring, and then she decides to pierce her own nose. After this, we cut to another dream sequence, fantasy. There's like a bunch of bodies laying on the ground topless. And she's calling. I like this one. <laughs> and she's crawling over top of them to go lay in a bathtub filled with blood. And then obviously this dream sequence turned her on because she's curling the fuck out of her toes and her feet in her sleep. Mm-hmm. So the next morning at breakfast, Phyllis is appalled at the fact that Pauline pierced her nose, told her she ruined her face, but the dad doesn't really care about that. He cares about if she sterilized the needle. That cracked me up. <laughs> and then... <laughs> He's like, yeah, I pierced a few things when I was younger, too. Being relatable as he should. Like, it's a difference. Like, you can see the moms all uptight about it. And I mean, okay, I've never pierced anything because I'm scared to do that. But my nieces and nephews have. I don't know if you have, but we know people that have done that. Why not? Had just been like, okay, well, I mean, and now what? But she can't be that tight. It's all right. Yeah, and then, you know, of course, she's still, Phyllis is still mad, telling her that she, you know, looks like trash, and she can't leave the house without getting, um, taking it out her face. She gets up and storms away from the table, and then Bob's like, well, look what you've done to your mother. Take that thing out right now. And then she pulls it out the table. And honestly, at this point, I was trying to figure out how the hell did they end up married? I mean, I guess it might have been a different story before Pauline was born, maybe. Maybe. Later on, um, you have Phyllis and Bob talking, and then, you know, um, Phyllis is concerned if she's being too hard on Pauline, and if she's, you know, becoming her mother. And of course, Bob is like, eh, yeah, no, you're not. So, and then he tries to get intimate with her, and she turns him down. So then outside, you have Pauline playing cricket with Grace, and um, Pauline equates her piercing her nose to a procedure, like a mm-hmm. surgical procedure. And it's like, it was a success and my hands are gifted. But Grace don't care. She cares about the fact that her internet boyfriend broke up with her. <laughs> so, then, <laughs> so then Pauline, Pauline um, sees her neighbor across the street jump a rope. And the way mm-hmm. she looked at her, she kind of looked like those Neanderthal caveman commercials. Bruh, you remember uh, Ayo from Geico? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ayo, exit, exit the right. We have to (laughs) shut down. (laughs) No, just kidding. She really did. She really did. That was that was perfect. 
So the girl starts jumping rope because Pauline is staring at her. And mm-hmm. she's like, I mean, what the fuck are you staring at? And then Pauline looks at her and was like, you look like you're having fun. I haven't jumped rope since lower school because I'm flat. Lower school? Yeah. But little homie across the street don't care. Then Pauline really keeps don't. going and is like, I mean, I can get insoles. And then asks if they can jump rope sometime. And then little homie is like, yeah, nah. And then Grace is like, bitch, don't be mean to my sister. Then little homie flips her off and then Grace grabs Pauline and drags her away. But in this whole scene, okay, because I want to argue, and I'm pretty sure we'll explore this later, but she actually hurts Pauline's feelings. Yeah, she did. She's displaying characteristics of a sociopath. But don't they say that sociopaths, like, don't have emotion? Or is that psychopaths? Because she's showing emotion. Because there's a lot of scenes in here. We don't have to, like, point every single one out. Because as you watch the movie, you can see that she actually does respond to some things. Apparently, um, psychopaths are more cold-hearted and calculating. And sociopaths are hot-headed. But yes, I I guess in the movie... But psychopaths are classified as people with little or no conscience. Okay. And the sociopaths do have a limited conscience, but it's not. Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, I I guess she would identify as socio because they say it a few times. Yeah. Can we talk about um, the, can we talk about her energy in this call that Adam returns? Paulina is ordering a dissection kit and then Adam calls her to take her up on the offer. And she was just like straight to the point, like, why are you calling me? Okay. (laughs) You can do it Monday. Okay. Bye. And then after that, she goes into the bathroom to take out her bloody tampon and smell it. Bruh. I said, ma'am, I wasn't ready for her to sniff that. Like pulling it out and looking at it. Okay. That's pretty normal. Sniffing it? That's new. I mean, hey, she had to see if it had odor. You will find out in two days if it's still in the trash. Especially because you didn't wrap it, sis. Yeah. 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 So now (laughs) she's praying again. Another prayer sequence. And in this prayer, she tells him that, like, the whole premise of... People watching over you when you die rubs her the wrong way because she does a lot of crazy shit when she's alone and, pri- and she likes her privacy. But if she does end up in heaven, a lot of those relationships will be compromised because they're watching over her. And honestly, that took I- me out. You said you what? I feel her. You know what? Okay. I mean, hey, I relate because I do a lot of weird shit when I'm alone. That <laughs> will be like, Johnny, what is wrong with you? It cuts to uh, her family knocked out on the couch, except for her. She's laying on the floor, and you have this guy on the TV yelling hallelujah. I'm guessing they're watching some religious programming, but maybe um, the movie went off, and now it's that 3 a.m. infomercial where they're trying to get you to call the number and do whatever. But she's just staring at the TV, and once she realizes her family is asleep, she changes the channel to watch what sounds like porn. You both. She both. Hella bold. But what pissed me off is why do they leave her on the floor? Like nobody at least puts her on the couch. My mom don't tell me to go to her. I know I've fallen asleep on the floor before, but my dad will at least put me on the couch. If not take me in my room, but I'm at least going to be on the couch. He's not leaving me on the floor. At 18? Um... I think at that point, I'm getting wake, woken up and told to go to my room at that point. 
I forget she is a little bit older. But no, ain't about to leave me on no floor. Yeah, I fall asleep in the basement a lot. And they just left me. I didn't really care though. I mean, that was her choice to lay on the floor. <laughs> I feel it. I get it. Then she goes into dreamland again after watching this porn. And she's seen laying on the ground topless while three bodies crawl up to her to eat these sores that are on her stomach. So she wakes up, still on the living room floor, drooling, walks into the kitchen to find out that her mom is sending Grace to a cystic fibrosis camp because her sister has cystic fibrosis. And um, then she tells her mom that Adam is coming to pick her up for a study group. Of course, this is a big fat lie. And her mom looks at her with a side eye, but then goes to help her do her makeup. And the yeah, I think she know. Her, I'm like, she need to do something with those eyebrows and brush that hair. I think she know. But I like that, though. I like that it was still, throughout this entire movie, I kept telling you, I thought that they were going to pull at some point that she's actually pretty. But I like that even though she's putting on makeup, she still looked like this was baby's first palette. <laughs> yeah, the only times that she actually looked pretty was in her dream sequences. One could argue, like, well, okay, well, if she dreams herself looking like this, well, why can't she make herself look like that in person? Okay, well, you know, it don't work like that all the time, okay? <laughs> so then Adam pulls up to, with, to, the, um, to the house with some VA tags. Shout out to the director. He's born and raised in Virginia. So Adam walks to the door to, you know, greet the mom, and Pauline is awkwardly standing there, and no one is saying anything, so Phyllis slowly pushes Pauline towards Adam, then they get into the car and leave. Of course, he opens the door for her first before she gets in the car, so all hope isn't lost, but this was interesting. Why, why was he blasting this music in this suburb? I don't know. Don't roll up to my house. Janae, if you know from the stint of us running this show, do not roll up to my house blasting the music. Do not roll up to my house banging on my dough. Who raised you? (laughs) And then let's then let's let's talk about this. We we didn't we not arrange for a hotel? Why are we in a motel? I mean, (laughs) there really isn't a difference. It's basically the I mean, same. I guess it don't matter because she gets her point across. She gets what she asks for in the end. Adam tries to break the ice and Pauline tells him, eh, be our little secret. And then he tells her that he stole big condoms from his brother. So she's like, all right, take off your pants. And then she fills them up and he likes it by the look on his face. But then she says, it appears you're too small for the big kind. Bruh. And his again. face instantly fell and pulled it No filter. No filter. And then she realized that she made him feel bad. So she said, you know, I mean, it's not a bad thing. And then tells him that it'll hurt less. And then was like, eh, we don't need to wear condoms because I'm on birth control. And of course, he agrees. Very smooth. Very smooth. But that it'll hurt less. Girl. What? Okay, so, Pauline, I see you. Then them having sex looks awkward as fuck. Like her position, her posture. And it's mainly because her posture. Her posture is horrible. And then he says, oh my gosh, you're so fucking wet. But we all know that it's period blood because she's on her period. So while she's having sex with him, while she's wearing a baby carrot, she's fantasizing that blood is gushing from her vagina. And it's like Mm -hmm. a crime scene. And in this fantasy, she's just straight up loving the fact that She's having bloody sex and she's slathering herself in the blood, splashing it all around. So then we cut to them in missionary and she's tearing up a little and then tells him, hey, I want you to go down on me. While he's down there, he realized this bitch on her period. 
hops up, runs to the bathroom, looks in the mirror, and freaks out. I just want to know how he ain't realized before he went down on her that she was bleeding. I, I mean, maybe he, I mean, well, apparently not to jump ahead, but um, Natalie knows, lets us know that he's freakier than she thought, which, I mean, she was joking, but, you know, he probably could not tell the difference in the in the wetness. But two things before but we you, go on. No, but, you, but here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I like to look sometimes, you know? So how he ain't look down? To see what was going on from switching oh, yeah. positions, you, you ain't right. you ain't look now once when y'all was switching positions. You're right. You're right. I ain't even think about that. I guess yeah, I really didn't think about that. And y'all, what? Well, okay. I'm not. You you knew what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> but no. But in addition to that, the lights were on, and then you yeah. had to look to see where you were going to go eat her out. Yeah, I know you was under a towel, but it's funny that you say. That um, it's like a crime scene because I actually refer to mine as a crime scene going on in my body. And then the second thing is not to be weird, but the scene, her fantasy scene, I liked it. I'm like, this is weird. Yes, I get it. But this is shot. I like the way this is shot and I like it. And I'm trying to figure out, like, is there something wrong with me? I'm telling, I'm telling your boyfriend. No, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I want to do that. I am not saying that at all. Like, if it was water, if it was water, oh, yes, I'm going to live because I love me some water. Like, I am a swimmer all day. But blood, oh, no, that's not what, mm -mm. Water, yes, we could do that. We could set that up. Like, I, I could take you there. I'm about to say, I'm telling him we have to watch out for you. Um, so he takes her home and she's standing outside of the car telling him, you know, thank you. I had a really nice time. But he's not even looking at her. He tells her to get the fuck off his car, throws on his hood and then drives away. So I'm so dead he took her home. How else was she supposed to get home? I don't know. But I'm just saying, do you think, do realistically, realistically, if that happened, do you think she was going to get a ride home? Yes. Or do you think she would have had to call her mama to come get her? Realistically, like with the dudes, think of dudes that we deal with. Okay, besides the boys that we date now, because they're decent people. But think about what we dealt with. <laughs> you know, we about to call each other and be like, come get me. They is not no, taking us home. Actually, surprisingly, with all the dudes that I dealt with, they would have driven me home. It just would have been a, a long, awkward car ride. And then... It wouldn't have been no conversation. As soon as I hopped out the car, they would have drove the fuck off. And See, I'm not even about that. I'm, you're not, we not even about to do all that. I'd just rather call somebody come get me at that point because we ain't about to do that. Because you or, might think, you might think, hold on, stay with me real quick. You might think of some stuff while we riding out and you might try to swerve on a bitch and we ain't having that. True. But then the other thing too was... I'm, I know another dude that I dated, he would have quickly called an Uber. Like, it was either, I'm going to either drive you home or at least I'll pay for an Uber for you to get the fuck out. But yeah, I don't think nobody would have been like, you got to find your own way home. So when she walks into the house, her mom comes outside and was like, how does it go? She's like, it was everything she hoped it would be. And then Phyllis was like, she's glad. So then we cut to the next prayer sequence. And Pauline is telling God she doesn't want to be pregnant and that she's paranoid even though she was on her period when she had sex. But if she's pregnant, she is going to have an abortion despite God not approving of it. Then it goes into another fantasy 
of her pulling a teeny tiny fetus out of herself, dropping it in a doctor's hands, and then the doctor puts it into the oven, and then explodes, and then she wakes up. So then now we have Phyllis talking to Grace, and, you know, she's crying because when her friends just died, and then the next... Um, cause she could succumb to cystic fibrosis. And then the next day in the car, Grace tells her father that that's the worst thing about having cystic fibrosis is that, you know, well, when your friends die. So back in the kitchen, Phyllis tells Pauline the news and tells her to be nice to Grace as she mourns. Then Pauline asked her where she was and Phyllis is like, oh, she had a doctor's appointment. And then Pauline is like, she's going to need a lung transplant agency. She should consider an alternative. Then Phyllis turns around and tells her that the day, that day is a long ways down the road and then goes back to washing dishes. Back in sex ed class. Well, this is not sex ed class, this is biology class, but it might as well be sex ed class because all they do is talk about sex. In the middle of this question and answer session, Pauline is lighting her hair on fire and she's sitting next to Adam's girlfriend. And of course, girlfriend isn't here for this. So Pauline's like, ah, well, I had, I lost my virginity yesterday. So I'm checking myself for STDs. Then the girlfriend tells her that she's such a freak who would sleep with you. Out at the bleachers, you have Adam, his girlfriend, the friends, all of the, the, the crowd of popular kids sitting outside Ian Lynch. And Pauline walks up to him to say hi. And she's just standing there awkwardly. The girlfriend tells Adam that she would watch out for Pauline if she were him because she gave herself an STD, class, a STD test in science class today. So Adam instantly looks stressed because he knew that it was over for him. Then Pauline tells the girl, you can never be too careful. And then asked her if she had any STDs. And of course, the girl was like, absolutely not. And then Pauline was like, good, neither do I. And then she walked away. And I lived. I did. I did. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, the girlfriend was like, what the fuck is she talking about? And Adam's like, I have no idea. Of course, he's going to say that. So on the drive home that day, Phyllis asked Pauline. Actually, I don't think they're driving home. They're driving to therapy. Phyllis asked Pauline about her day. And Pauline was like, it's dreadful. So Phyllis asked about Adam. And Pauline was like, eh, he was tolerable, but I lost interest. And, of course, her mom is like, eh, that's just such a shame. He was a nice young man. So then in therapy... Pauline tells the reverend that that would be their last session because he's unqualified and it's totally unethical. And then he's like, yeah, you're wrong. And I doubles down on the fact that um, he's just here to listen, not to judge. And then she doubles down that, you know, psychiatry is a science and that science and religion don't mix. And so their session ends and we cut to another prayer sequence. And in this sequence, she's asking God to allow her everything in her power to cure her. Then at, to kill her sister, then ask him to kill her mother before she has to attend the cotillion classes and that he can just blame her on the devil. Listen, but hear me out. A little pain never hurt. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's a start, Pauline. This is not how we pray, but it's a, it's a start, sis. I'll leave it at that. And so we cut to a little homie across the street ringing the doorbell. She's collecting money for a fundraiser to help inner city youth. And Pauline isn't here for her presence in her house. And so okay. little homie is like, you weird. And then Pauline is like, look, bitch, if uh, you come to my house again, I'm going to put form a tracheotomy on you with one of the ends of your jump ropes. And then walks away. The way, first of all, I just, I am going to keep talking about how Anna Lynn plays this character. The way she just walked off super slow, because when the mom comes back, hands her the money or whatever, Pauline is still just slowly walking up the stairs. Meanwhile, homegirl has dipped out because she knew. 
In the locker room the next day, Adam's girlfriend and her friend are laughing at Pauline. After asking them what's funny, the girlfriend asks if she purposely leaves the house looking like a raging lesbian that she has a body of a 10-year-old boy. Pauline tells her it's highly unfortunate opinion, seeing as though her vagina looks like a diseased axe wound. Bang. Literally. <laughs> so then the girlfriend tells her that that's vile, and then Pauline was like, yeah, but I'm afraid I'm going to get a yeast infection just from being in the same room as that thing. So then the... <laughs> Hit her with the fire. Like, girl, she, girl, was not playing with her. Right. So then the girlfriend tells her that, you know, I spoke with Adam and apparently he's freakier than, you know, I imagined. So she dumped him and now, you know, you can have him. And Paulina was like, eh, he looks pussy like a dog drinking water. So I'm not interested. Period. (laughs) She was like, okay, fine. Well, you know, let me offer you some advice. And then Paulina's like, well, make it quick because I got to take a shit. (laughs) No pun intended earlier, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> and when it's like you're disgusting but you know it's funny because that's exactly how i talk to my boyfriend like and my mom and i told my mom one time that we like talk about this stuff and she's like y'all are disgusting then after this statement the ex now ex-girlfriend tells her to stop spending her allowance on birth control and invest in estrogen pills but honestly birth control kind of helps with acne so that was kind of a lame burn yeah, well, and then at the same time uh, right, girl, bye, because Pauline is a city girl in the making, and you can never. But anyway, she kind of hurt her feelings here, because once again, you can see Pauline react to this being said to her, too. Like, even when she goes home and draws this little four square on her stomach, like, I think some of that had to do with what Natalie said to her. Yeah. Yeah. Still, wasn't a good comment. It wasn't. No, I, I agree. No, no, no. You can right. never... Matchups, like birth control already has estrogen in it. Girl, mm-hmm. he needs to go back to biology. Anyways, so yeah, later, like you said, later on at home, Pauline was looking at herself in the mirror and posing. And girl, mm-hmm. when she get that side profile pose, she looked like one of the aliens from Men in Black that be making a coffee. Get out! <laughs> get out! Shut the ride down. The ride is over. Okay, and. Cut to the guy with the souvenir shop. <laughs> with the guy. <laughs> that was the first thing that I thought of. And I was like, oh my God. You done but- called this girl the caveman <laughs> from the Geico commercials. Now you calling her the alien from Men in Black. I, I'm just curious to see what else is going to come out. Uh, so... <laughs> Well, you know, she's researching or whatever, and Grace comes in and asks what she's doing, and Pauline's like, I'm going to give myself an umbilical plasty, and basically, she wants to reshape her belly button, and then Grace tells her, boys don't care about belly buttons, they care about boobs, and then Pauline's like, yeah, but my world doesn't revolve around boys like yours does, and then I'm doing it for myself, and then Grace pushes her hair behind, well, Grace pushes Pauline's hair behind her ear and looks at her like, okay, sis, like, I don't believe you. So then we get a flashback of Pauline and her dad. Apparently, when she was a child, she decided to jump off the high dive and she was supposed to basically almost drown in the pool and need to CPR. But her dad didn't wait for the lifeguard and did it himself. And so Phyllis, being Phyllis, ran over to him and scolded him for not waiting for the lifeguard because he had a cold tore in his lip and was like, she could. And he's like, but she could have died. So you wanted me to wait for the lifeguard. She could have died. Right. And then Phyllis is like, well, you're going to have to explain to her why she has herpes on her lip when she's a teenager. And then right. when we um go back to this flashback, 
Did you notice that book that was sitting on her desk that's uh, titled Human Sexuality, The Psychosexual Effects of Disease? No. So she has that book, but she also has another one that's talking about Southern folklore. So I can obviously with the, I can see what the human sexuality book obviously is a stand-in for because that's kind of how she <clears throat> self-diagnoses herself, I guess. But the other one, I kind of had a tough time placing that one because I don't know, maybe it could literally just be a book that was there, but it was something pretty telling about the human sexuality one, especially a little later when she kind of brings more things around. We'll get to it. But my whole, I was shocked at this scene because I'm like, wow, her dad gave her herpes and had the nerve to be testing for herself for STDs like she was the clean one and then told the boy that she was clean. Like, I get it. But ma'am, you have herpes. And you're right. sitting here acting like everybody else is dirty. At dinner, Phyllis tries to cut Grace's food, but Grace is like, you know, I can do it myself, which shows how much she babies Grace. Then Phyllis tells the table, you know, I found the perfect dress for Pauline, for Cotillion, and then, of course, Pauline isn't here for it. She says Cotillion and church, but Pauline isn't here for it and was like, I'm not going to church. It's bad enough that I got to go through the humiliation of Cotillion. So her mom tells her that Cotillion is going to help her land a decent husband, and Pauline is like, well, you know, I'm going to get married one day, and I'm going to get married to a black guy, to which Phyllis responded, well, don't expect him to be faithful. African-Americans are notorious adulterers. Okay, now listen, listen, ma'am. First of all, first of all, shut your mouth. Watch your mouth. And even though I love to tease them with this whole black men don't cheat, you cannot play that game, okay? That game wasn't for you. And I said what I said. And Bob's face is exactly all of our faces. Exactly. He's sick of her shit. He was sick okay. of her shit. And then she had the nerve to tell him not to look at her like that and then double down on her statement. Okay, girl. Bye. Anyway. <laughs> Later on in um, Pauline's room, Phyllis is there and holds the dress up to Pauline. Um, it's basically, I guess, the dress that she's wearing to Cotillion. Yeah. And tells her that night, well, Cotillion will be over before she knows it, and she's going to look beautiful. So then Pauline is like, I know I can be a bit of a demented bitch at times, but you still love me, right? And then Phyllis says, of course I do. Oh, God, you're getting the cold sore. And then Pauline is like, <laughs> oh, my God, Mom, show some tact. And then Phyllis was like, um, yes, okay. We'll just won't take pictures. Like, you're rude. <laughs> so rude. Then yeah. we cut to another fantasy. There's two bodies in the slab, and Pauline yanks out one of their tongues while the other body bleeds instead. You know, this scene, or not the tongue ripping scene, but this almost reminds me like when I was growing up, I remember, and my mom, she just stopped doing it, but this because I, I started speaking up and just saying, like, I don't like this, I don't like that. And, you know, I live states away, so she can't jump through the phone and pop me. So <laughs> um, when I was growing up, I used to have really bad breakouts. And, you know, sometimes, like, I'll be cool and I might have one. And my mom would just always point it out. I'm like, girl, like, we talking about me having a dance performance and you like, oh, you got one right there. That's a big one. Girl, yeah, like mom does that too. Oh, I'm like, why do y'all do that? Like if it's any moms <laughs> that listen to us, uh, why? why but do you do that? see, at least my 
my mom, she'll take it a step further. She won't say, oh, that's a big one right there. She'll look at me and be like, what's going on with your face? Oh, and that's like any type of comment like that. Like, okay, look, this is my philosophy. If a person can't fix it in the next five minutes, granted what the situation is, don't bring it up. She might like, be doing that too. And I'd be like, he'd be like, your face breaking up. What's, you, what's going on? Like, dude, what's up with you? It's you. No, just playing. <laughs> I'm going to say that the next time. I'm going to be like, it's you. <laughs> it's you, okay? <laughs> You're stressing me my fuck out. <laughs> oh, man. So, at breakfast the next day, we see that Phyllis has cooked a big breakfast because she's excited about Cotillion. And yeah. Pauline uses this op- opportunity to thank her dad for her cold sore. He's... <laughs> He's like, you're welcome. I saved your life. So Pauline is like, on the off chance I have another near-death experience and you're the only one around, what new STD can I expect to acquire? Hey, yo, she did. That was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back because she actually pissed him off with that one because she, when she ends, he because, you know, normally he's the one that's kind of like defending her or he's at least trying to make the situation light. Like, I'm not sure what happens that makes the mom leave. Oh, I think the mom just says something like, you know, I'll be down in 10 minutes or whatever, be ready. But she tries to say something to the dad, and he's like, I don't want to hear it. Like, go on, about your business. Yeah, because... Like, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. off here today. And then when he did that, I was like, you should have thought about that before you talk shit about his life-saving induced herpes. Mm-hmm. So at school, Pauline is taking a long time to drink water at the water fountain. And this is when we get our Ray Wise cameo. He's telling, he's a principal, and he tells her to save some water for the rest of us. And I'm like, you act like there isn't hella water to go around, and there's no one else in this hallway. So what is your purpose? Okay. (laughs) No, I wrote, okay, okay, that's another thing. If any principals listen to us or any type of admin at school, and I know we haven't been in the schools, or if you are going back, you know it is what it is. But but why? Why do y'all be so pressed when we be on the water fountain? Because I remember specifically, especially at the first building, if I have any Emersonians listening to the podcast, the first building, second floor water fountain was the coldest water fountain. And they used to be so pressed if we was on that water fountain too long. Like, I am dehydrated. I don't understand. So in class, Pauline is sitting next to the best friend. Not her best friend, the ex-girlfriend's best friend. So mm-hmm. Pauline asked to go to the bathroom, but Malcolm refused to let her go because she used all her hall passes. After the best friend correctly answers a question from the teacher, Pauline asked to go to the bathroom again. And so, of course, he lets her. And in the bathroom, she um, takes some medicine and then goes back to class. And then apparently she took a long time. So Malcolm revoked her bathroom privileges. She's like, all right, but now I'm feeling sick, so can I go to the clinic? And then he says no. And then the best friend is like, you're so full of shit. And then he ignores her. And then she throws up on the best friend. Listen. Because, okay, because so when she went to the bathroom and we see her take the medicine, I'm like, okay, well, Pauline, where the freak you get that from? Because it wasn't like we seen her pick that up, which goes along with something else that you seen earlier, that you said earlier, excuse me, which, you know, we don't have to see everything. But, you know, later we find out when she comes home, you know, it was Epicac syrup that she just happened to get out the medicine cabinet. But even this entire scene with the mom, you can get into it some more, but this whole scene is giving me, you're just, you didn't even ask her why did she do it? You're just yelling at her. And her mom is like, you know, 
I know what you did. You made yourself sick and you've reached an all-time low because your sister would do anything for a healthy body and you just take it for granted. And then Pauline is like, it's not like I have Munchausen. I just don't want to go to Cotillion. And mm-hmm. then he's like, yeah, tough shit. You're going. That was, that was Sarah Paulson's character. Is her name Sarah in Berlin? Um, I don't remember what her name was. I can't remember. <laughs> That's Well, I mean, besides thinking about Misery, but I thought about her too when she was talking about Munchausen syndrome. Before they leave the house for Cotillion, um, Phyllis is telling Pauline, you know, you look beautiful. And then she licks her finger to get something off Pauline's face. And Pauline isn't here for it. So I'm not either. Don't do, ugh. oh my God, my mama used to do that before elementary school. Like, ugh, why? And it used to smell like coffee. Like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just had a whole flashback to a little me in a uniform. And right before I opened the door to get out, my mama just reached that thumb over and wiped my cheek. Like, oh, girl. Um, but then this is my thing. She was to be so damn pressed about her going to Cotillion. You couldn't do her hair? Thank you. Thank you. Like, I know I keep saying this was the whole, like, I like that they didn't make her bombshell, bombshell pretty. But you could at least gave sis a bun or something. Yeah, that, and, oof, child. I'm right with you on that one. And that posture was terrible. And, of course, her mom corrected her on her posture, but. Mm -hmm. So, they get to Cotillion. It's a bust. And Phyllis apologizes for not taking the age gap into consideration, but then tells Pauline to make the best of it. So, Pauline goes and sits next to this little girl, and she identifies with this girl because the little girl don't want to be there either and says that she would rather be at home with a good book. And so then the girl let Pauline know that the boys don't talk to her unless they need help with homework. And Pauline looks this, like so disgusted by this statement. And then she takes off the girl's glasses. And you think they're about to have a heart-to-heart moment. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're so pretty. Don't, you know, let these boys talk shit to you, whatever. Right. So, no, she says, have you ever thought about having work done? Literally taking that whole ugly duckling trope and flipping it on his head. And I am here for it. I loved it. It's like the dark humor in this movie is so on point. And it comes at all the right times. And the girl got up and walked away. I would walk away. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like, here's my am. What else you gonna do? Because this girl had to be like 13, 14. Like, how else is you gonna respond? Because y'all not bout it, bout it. I'm gonna tell you that. So wasn't nobody about to do nothing. So now Pauline is sitting there alone, fanning herself with her dress. You see all her, her little underskirt and all that. And a boy asks her to dance. And meanwhile, Grace is kissing a boy on the dance floor. Phyllis is appalled by this and tells her that she's lost her computer privileges. And then is like, yo, Marley, I'm pulling these girls out to Kentucky because this ain't working out. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> dance floor and he look at her and is like hey, what the fuck is that on your lip and Pauline is like oh it's a cold score he says it's disgusting and she's like well thanks so then he feels bad and says he's sorry and then she kisses him then he freaks out and is like am I gonna get herpes too and then the mom was like well not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> this whole scene like oh uh, and the boy was bruh. like I was just trying to be nice. And then Phyllis looked at her daughter and was like, well, how could you? And Pauline was like, I mean, I, can't you tell, Mom? I fell victim to his charm. <laughs> like, what? Stand. Jesus, I'm telling you, that was the Helga popping out because 
I can see Alice doing that too. And it's like Alice obviously had a different situation because her parents cared enough to get her the help she needed. But that sass is nothing but Alice. Like, I see it. So when they get home, Pauline immediately runs up the steps and leaves dirt footprints everywhere. And why do they make the daddy clean it? That's exactly what I'm about to say. So she stains the stains on the floor, but then Bob cleans it up while Phyllis is sitting in her room looking sad. So the next day, Pauline ditches school to go to the library to research disorders of the lungs. Then when she gets home, her mom scolds her for skipping school and is like, I mean, I don't believe that you were at the library when she asked her where she was. So Pauline dumps the books out of her book bag onto the floor in front of her mama's feet. And in return, her mama slaps the fuck at her. I was so lost. <laughs> I was like, I mean, are you mad because she told the truth? Or are you, is this because she skipped school? Like, what? what's your aim? Yes. I mean, okay, yes. You know what? Okay, yeah, you're right. But still, I was just like, I mean, she she wasn't lying. Yeah, it was a disrespect of how she uh, dumped out the books on the floor at her feet. You're right. Yeah, you're right. See, they did it wrong. I, what you would do, see, when I was in high school, they wasn't taking really attendance every day. I mean, not every day. They weren't taking attendance every period. So as long as you were there for homeroom, you were marked present for the day. Same, same. It used to, when we moved into, because you know my school had three buildings, very long story. But in the third building, that's when we started doing, no, it was by the second building. It was the same format as you. You there for homeroom, you checked in for the day, boom, that's it. Later at dinner, their food looked bland as hell. Like, that dinner looked so disgusting. What was that? This is exactly why I don't eat that. Exactly what? why I don't eat that. Girl, that wasn't even Thanksgiving food, so we can't It don't matter. Like, it was pineapple with a cherry in the middle on top of some ham. We don't see that in Black households. There was at least some gravy with ham, you know? It don't look that dry. You get a honey baked ham. It's a little bit more juicier, okay? But it looked disgusting. It so ain't look all... dry when she loved it. Then Phyllis screams and Pauline storms from the table. And I'm like, bitch, I couldn't have thrown that food. You know that TikTok where the girl talks back to her mama and then all of a sudden she wake up in heaven? Yeah. That would have <laughs> me up that would have been me Mm -mm. so later on pauline is sitting outside of her parents door listening to her mom and dad's conversation and her mom is telling her dad that she's disturbed that pauline is disturbed and she wants pauline out of the house and bob was about to take up for pauline when phyllis yells not to take her side because she would divorce him so fast he won't see it coming then yells that she's a fucking menace no wonder her friends have fallen by the wayside you gotta be fucking crazy to want to spend time with her i tried and tried but it's impossible to love her and all while phyllis is yelling this pauline is outside of the door crying i felt so bad during this part because it's like you see both sides of the coin like the mom even though it's it's a bad it's terrible attempts she's like at her end she has no idea what to do at this point and once again, Pauline is reacting because in the scene earlier, she literally asked her mom, like, you know, I know I act like this, but you still love me, right? And now in Pauline's head, her mom's taking that love back, like saying that she doesn't care about her and wants her out. So, yeah. Yeah. So we cut to the next day and 
You know, Pauline's walking home from school and she sees a dead bird lying on the sidewalk. She stops, picking it up with some paper, puts it in her backpack. Meanwhile, little homie across the street is standing over her, watching her in disgust. So then when she gets home, Pauline decides to dissect the bird. And then Phyllis comes and knocks on her door to let her know they're home. Meanwhile, she, as in Pauline, is licking the bird's blood off her hand. Ma'am, I said you done took it past Charlie from Hereditary. Like, this is a whole different level. I was trying to figure out which one out of the two was worse, but I think you took the cake. Well, took the bird. Literally. And then she later dumps the blood and body parts in the toilet, washes her hands, and then rinses her mouth out of the Right. So then Pauline is now seen sitting in Grace's room with Grace, and their mom calls them to eat dinner. So Grace goes down to eat, but Pauline stays behind and puts um, Grace's mask from their breathing machine on her face and breathes deep. And then when she pulled it away, there was sticky shit on her face. What the fuck was that sticky shit? Ew. Uh... I think it's the medicine, but I just, because I've taken breathing treatments before, but my face ain't never been sticky. Right. So I, like, and I, I don't know if that was left too. It was a from the, like, I don't know if it was left from the sister. I, I don't know. I don't know. So then at dinner, Bob asked what the fuck Pauline has been flushing down the toilet because it's clogged again. And then Pauline retorts she must not be getting the fiber and then Phyllis is over it and it's like, this is not an appropriate conversation for dinner. I feel like as if I have a third child. So then Pauline attempts to get up and then Phyllis is like, where are you going? You didn't ask to be excused. So Pauline sits back down and asks to be excused, but Phyllis refuses and tells her that she has to finish her food. Pauline is like, yo, I'm full and I don't need any more calories. We all can't use menopause as an excuse to gain weight. Dead. Out. <laughs> And then, and then Grace laughed, and then Bob was like, I think you look great. <laughs> Bruh, the comedic timing. So then we cut to another prayer sequence. This is basically the same prayer from the trailer, basically. As soon as she says that, it cuts to another fantasy sequence. So this time, she's walking down the hallway with three topless people, and she's holding her hands up like a doctor who just washed their hands before surgery, mm-hmm. except for her hands are covered in blood. So a body is rolled in front of her, and she digs her hands into the body while the two girls caress and kiss her, and then she pulls a head out of the body, and the head turns out to be her head. And then For she some reason, this one, this one was the one that was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't get that one. On the sofa, she's putting on her shoes, and Phyllis comes downstairs to talk to her. Of course, Pauline instantly is like, what did I do? And then Phyllis just really wants to talk to her. She tells her that she's been reading a book in her book club, and this book has called her, caused her to self-reflect on the fact that she can be more patient with her. And then Pauline is like, yeah, you joined the right book club a few years too late. Then Phyllis uh-uh. tells her to take it easy because some of her behavior has been downright sociopathic, to which right. Pauline replies solely based on the definition, I don't know a teenager who didn't profile as a sociopath. Facts. This statement is a nod to my boo. Matthew Gray Goobler, the biology teacher, because mm-hmm. on Criminal Minds, he, which is, of course, a show about FBI profilers, and his character says this all the time, that teenagers are basically sociopaths. Basically. Let me ask you this. So for this whole scene, do you think the mom was being genuine, or do you think she was doing this for herself? Um, honestly, I... I I'm kind of torn between mm-hmm. them because I kind of see both sides of the coin. 
right based off of personal experience i can see how in the pursuit of trying to make sure that she doesn't have the same relationship with her daughter as her that she had with her mom she's causing more damage than she does good yeah i can see that and so her explaining her side of the story to say, you know, you know, when I was your age, my mom hurt me more than words can say, and I'm still trying to forgive her. That's why I don't want us to have the type of relationship. Mm-hmm. She's like, she really believes that. So I don't think that she's trying to make herself feel better. I just think that she's trying too hard to make their relationship different, that she's not seeing where she's going wrong. Right. I'm with that. That scene was a little touchy for me. Yeah. Like you said, it is both. But sometimes, you know, people really just be looking out for themselves and don't really be having your best interest. But this whole movie is really emotionally charged. But then the part that got me was she just sit here pouring her heart out. And then Pauline's like, are you done? And then got Right. Her you would think <laughs> you would think at a the times okay so obviously I've been pointing out times that Pauline has reacted to other emotions and things that happen and you would think that maybe she would like start to see that her mom's showing her some type of attention and affection and she just brushes her straight off. And I think it's because at this point it's like like I said you've done in your quest to make your relationship different you've done more harm than good. Right. So at this point, I could see Pauline just being like, yeah, okay, this she on her bullshit again. All right. Yeah. Uh, So then it cuts to Pauline in some room looking out the window because she's witnessing some girls outside her house arguing over how to spell cunt. Like, mm -hmm. these girls are really confused on whether it's spelled with a K or a C. See, this is why, see, the school board from Teeth this is why we don't need to blur out those pictures from the books. This is exactly why. So then the next day, the family is outside and they see that their house has been vandalized, TP'd and spray painted. And then it's like on the sidewalk, it says Pauline is a dot, dot, dot. And then it pans up to the garage and it says cunt with a K, but then they crossed out the K and put a C over top of it. Like you just ruined the okay. effect. Once again, once again, can't do shit. <laughs> and this pisses Pauline the fuck off. And she goes As she should. on a rampage through the school. And this mad, angry walk that she had took me out. The way her took arms me were like, out. and stuff. And she was really looking, I'm telling you, she's really looking like them cavemen from the Geico commercials. Yes. So she pushed Adam and then she pushed the ex-girlfriend's best friend. And then she took the ex-girlfriend head and then banged it against the locker. Then bucked at the best friend and then left the school. I just feel like... Good job, Pauline. But you could have acted a fool a little bit more. Because even in this next scene, and it pissed me off for a few reasons. One, y'all not going to do that. She is not the aggressor here. She is the victim. Her house was vandalized. Now, Pauline, this is where you messed up, Pooh. See, what you're supposed to do is wait till after school when you off school grounds and you catch them bitches off guard. I understand that you was just, you know, all in your emotions and you just acted on sight. And I feel you because sometimes it do just got to be on sight like that. At the same time, Principal, she is the victim. She needs help. And y'all like, even when she was saying, put me in a room for five minutes with a therapist or a psychiatrist, they will tell you that I need help. Like she is literally telling y'all, 
she needs help. And this is the second issue that I have with this scene. Why in 2012 do you have a picture of Bush on your wall and looking to him for approval? The disrespect, I don't know if you peeped that, but the total disrespect. I did see a picture of Bush but at the time, I didn't register that in 2012 that Obama was still the president. Okay, the disrespect. I mean, it was it was probably a joke, and there was probably a reason for that. But still, yeah, I didn't register. It it didn't mm-hmm. register. It didn't register to me. But then I was also thinking, like, okay, well, maybe even though it was filmed in 2012, maybe it didn't take place in 2012. I don't know. And of course, like as she said, Pauline is steadily making a case that you know there is something wrong with her. She just wants to talk to a clinical psychiatrist. And then the principal's like, that's not how it's done. <laughs> like, how you going to do what? <laughs> I'm guessing he's like, this is not a courtroom. You can't, I don't need to put you in front of a clinical psychiatrist to diagnose you to prove whether you're guilty or not. So he's just like, you're just going to be held accountable for your actions. So then she gets home and we find out that she's suspended indefinitely months away from graduating. And she tells her mom that, you know, I have borderline personality disorder and it's gone undiagnosed for years. And this was a cry for help. And then Phyllis tells her to go to her room. And instead, Pauline, Pauline puts her feet on the coffee table. So Phyllis yells for Bob. Bob! Girl. Yes. Oh, like, once again, she is telling you she needs help. Yep. And you call Bob. <laughs> yep. Okay, so she goes in her room, Pauline goes in her room, and she carves a cross into her arm. So then she goes in the bathroom, and in the bathroom, she's examining the newly formed cross that she just carved into her arm. Her mom busts in the bathroom asking for the plunger because apparently her and her dad are shit monsters and they stay clogging up the toilet. Mm-hmm. And Pauline points to where the plunger is and Phyllis freaks out at the sight of her homemade tattoo and so she reassures her like you know I'm not a cutter it's just an alternative to a tattoo and then Phyllis expresses confusion yells for Bob and then Pauline slams again yelling for Bob so at dinner they're all sitting in silence and Grace asks why everyone is so sad but Phyllis is like we're not sad but your sister did a very bad thing today then Bob expressed how hard it was to get her into that school in the first place and now she's on the verge of being expelled and it makes him stick to his stomach and then Pauline is like I'm not the one to advocate for violence but every now and then people like Nellie need to be punched in the face and then Bob is like look I try to be supportive but I'm finished and that you're delusional about having a career in medicine. And at this rate, you're going to have a hard time holding a job at a fast food restaurant. And Pauline looks like she's about to cry. There was literally a tear that was a little forming. In right. Her, Basically because, right? like I was saying earlier, her dad had been the one throughout the movie, even though, you know, meek and quiet about certain things and not speaking up. But how can you with Phyllis around? But for the most part, he was always the one supporting her. But at this point, how can he defend her? And even though she gives this little reason, you know, in her head, we all know she's not there. So she still don't understand the levity of what happened. So, But no, she don't. It's like not only does she not understand what happened, she don't understand what it takes to be a fucking doctor. Because to right, that, to that too. he tells like she tells him that I'm going to take the GED and then open up some sort of private practice. Girl, mm-hmm. you missed in like 10 million steps in between taking the GED exactly. and opening a private practice. And then Phyllis doubles down on Bob's sentiments, telling her that she's delusional, and then they all just stare at her. Yeah. So then we cut to another fantasy scene, and Pauline is standing on a platform like Christ the Redeemer, that Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. 
with blood dripping from her and her worshipers are below her with her arm their arms raised so the next day at the table this time it's just Pauline and Phyllis apparently she slept in so it's just them two and Pauline is like you know I'm starting to miss not having a normal family breakfast and Phyllis is well you know I can wake you up for family breakfast if you want to and Pauline's like yeah never mind so then Phyllis tells her you know I'm not gonna pretend to understand what's going what you're going through but we're gonna break the bank to send you to a real psychiatrist but you know unfortunately the earliest appointment isn't Phyllis you know doubles down on the fact that you know she's trying her best like I may not have always made the best decisions for you but we've always had your best interests in mind and then Pauline spits out a drink that timing the timing because I just feel like a lot of the comedic parts are what the audience how the audience will react because I had the same reaction I mean I didn't spit my drink out but I was like girl are you serious oh okay So then later on in the backyard, Phyllis tells Bob that the doctor said Grace has to be put on the transparent list. And mm-hmm. of course, Pauline is eavesdropping and hears right. it. So the next day, Pauline asked Grace where, you know, their mom was. And she said she's gone because someone was sick. And then she asked, you know, what are you doing? And then Grace was like, you know, I'm looking at pictures. So it's, Grace is sitting on the floor looking at a bridal magazine. And she tells um, Pauline, that she's looking at the pictures and hopes that she lives long enough to get married someday. And then Pauline said that, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that that happens. And then she takes Grace's arm and then licks it because she read that due to her condition, her skin tastes like salt. So then I Grace, guess it did. I guess it did because Grace decides to lick her arm too. And then she says, yuck. And then they both laugh. And then Grace tells her, you know, if I do get married someday, I want you to be my maid of honor. That is so sweet. That is so sweet. Pauline looked very touched by that sentiment. Now we cut to another silent dinner. At this point, I'm tired of these fucking dinners. So <laughs> Pauline, you know, decides to thank her parents for putting up with her the way that they have. And then Phyllis was like, yeah, but I tried to call you several times today. And then tries to remind her of what she told her about not picking up her phone. And Pauline is like, yo, can we not? I'm trying to have a heart to heart. And like, what are you doing? So Bob is like, you know, let her speak because I'm enjoying this. Then Pauline tells them that she plans to make them proud and that being a spell from school forced her to put things into perspective and that she's turning her life around and that she realizes it's not all about herself anymore. Big of course, red Bob- flag. Big red flag. Whenever anyone that displays any type of behavior of the such does a 180 and here at D180, we know all about 180s. It's a no. Y'all should have known better. Word to Monica, y'all should have known better. So Bob replied to her statement about, you know, turning her life around, that he's glad to hear it, and that sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to force us to make a change. Phyllis, on the other hand, is like, yeah, we'll believe when we see it, and then tells the girls that tomorrow her and Bob are going to dinner in the city and that they're going to have a babysitter. And, of course, this is when Polly and Phyllis start to have an exchange because... She's like, I don't need no fucking babysitter. And then Grace breaks out into a coughing spell and um, Pauline slowly stands up looking concerned as shit. So then we cut to another prayer sequence. Again, by this point, I'm tired of the prayer sequences and I'm tired of the fantasy sequences. I love them. <laughs> I'm like, but, I mean, this is neither here or there right now, but I love them. They were nice, but by this point, how many was it by, by here? What number? So this this is the sixth prayer. Why do we need six prayers? Honestly, I just thought 
the those parts kind of put me in the mind of stay with me because this is I think this is a reach across a dark cross between all of that and the Amanda show where we have like those segments where the character just is by themselves do you remember uh for the Amanda show it would be like that random voice it'll be like get to know Britney Spears and it would be saying random facts that wasn't right about her at all yeah so okay so I get the prayer sequences because it gives her it gives you a look inside of her mind mm-hmm. but the dr- the dream sequences they were starting to get overkill back to the prayer sequence so this one she is thanking god for her abilities to do great things and then it's getting harder and harder for not to believe in him so we're seeing a little bit progression in her religious beliefs but right. she then tells him that you know i'm gonna be out of reach for a while and i hope you don't get lonely but yeah. meanwhile during this prayer sequence she is seen measuring her sister's bed and then taking pills out the su- and supplies out the mag- me- uh, medicine cabinet. And this mm-hmm. is a difference between all of the other prayer sequences because I didn't mention this before, but in these prayer sequences, she is normally by herself with her hands, you know, in the praying position, looking up at the sky and it's all black. Like it's an all mm-hmm. black scene. It's not like, you know, she's leaning by her bed. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, she's somewhere in public. Like this is just like a straight up, it's All like you it. said earlier, these are meant to be personal so we can get a look into her head. So yeah, right. you get that perfectly on the nose. But this time, we get a little action while she's right. So right. it's like, okay, we get take a little turn. Right. In this fantasy sequence, she is performing two surgeries. There's two bodies side by side, she's performing surgeries on them, and then she wakes up laughing, mm-hmm. which was creepy. Very. Her mom knocks on the door to complain that she slept the whole day away, which I can relate because my mom used to do this to me too. Mm-hmm. And then let her know that the babysitter canceled, so Bob is going to look after them instead, and that he'd be home every any minute. First of all, you got to be stressed because this was supposed to be a date. <laughs> she said, "I am going on a solo date, and you will be here with my offspring." <laughs> so after Phyllis leaves. Pauline decides to drug her dad's tea and give it to him under the guise of him getting healthier. So I'm like, you know, you know, whatever. And Mm -hmm. so she, you know, tells him that, you know, if mom cared about you half as much as I do, she'd be making tea for you every day. And then Bob is like, yeah, you need to lay off your mama. She does what she does out of love. One day you'll understand. Right. Then Pauline goes outside to apologize to little homie across the street. And convinces her to come get old jump ropes from her because her sister can't use the jump ropes anymore because of her lungs. And little homie fell for it. Girl, little mama in this version is way smarter than the one in the short. But regardless, ma'am, did you not remember what she told you when she walked in the house? When you walked in the house? Oh, you forgot? Okay, you about to remember in a second. So once she got in the backyard, Pauline snuck her from behind and suffocated her basically chloroformed her and this is what i said what i was alluding to earlier like way before we got to the queue line when in the short they showed her making the homemade chloroform they Mm -hmm. didn't show that in this full feature linked film so i was a little confused that first because when i first watched it i was like okay yes chloroform but then like the second time i watched it and this time i'm actually analyzing it i'm like whole time did she really chloroform them or did she just suffocate them to death and then just operated on dead bodies but anyways then you cut to 
Grace in her room coloring. And Pauline is, you know, stroking her hair and telling Grace, you know, you're not going to understand what I'm about to do, but someday you'll thank me. While she's hugging her, she decides to chloroform her. Pauline goes into the bathroom and cuts her hair. So then we see a shot of a table filled with kitchen knives that are covered with blood. They're like a symbol, like, you know, how a tool, tools will be on an operating side table or whatever. And then it cuts to an overhead shot of Grace laying on a table with her eyes open, blood spilling from her mouth like she's in surgery but mm-hmm. like a janky surgery right. then it cuts back to the table of knives and then there's a shot of pauline staring at her blood covered gloves and pauline is now bald standing in her garage covered with blood like she's performing a Bruh. surgery and then Bruh. you see two bodies cut open on two tables and Anna Lynn really shaved her head for the scene yes and it's crazy because you remember earlier when she was dissecting the bird and she goes it's too late you were already too far gone that's all I could hear in my head at this point. Cause I'm like, yeah, like, girl, you didn't, you jumped, you jumped. Yeah. So Phyllis comes home and sees Bob unconscious and tied to a chair. She begins to run around the house screaming for Grace and looking for her. At least Bob tied the fuck up. So meanwhile, while her mom is running around the house looking for her, looking for Grace, Pauline is performing a lung transplant. Like she puts okay. the lungs on ice and everything. Yes. Like, it, okay. Like, I'm um, not being funny, not being funny, but you would have thought Sis watched a few YouTube videos. Not saying that that info is available. It, it might be, who knows. But I know sutures. Look, I know you can learn how to do sutures look, on YouTube. Not even that. She's been watching Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Okay. She's been in the hospital a few times. So Phyllis enters the garage and Pauline tells her to come closer because she wants her to see her detailed work on Grace's sutures. And Phyllis looks horrified and Pauline is like, I know it's a mess, but it's my first surgery and I haven't perfected my technique yet. And Phyllis is like in utter disbelief and is like, what did you do? And then Pauline was like, oh, what have I done? You mean with the other body? Yeah, I didn't know what to do with it after I successfully retrieved the lung. So I practiced my incisions, but you have to take a look, mom, a closer look, mom. She's extraordinary. And literally all Phyllis can do is cries and runs and then shakes Pauline and then hugs her tight and then screams some more. And then Pauline begins to cry too. Then Phyllis lets out one more blood curling scream and then cuts the black. Bruh, I have goosebumps on my body right now. That scene was really sad. At this point, yeah. At this point, guys, clearly at the end of the movie. So, you know, if you did it to yourself and didn't watch the movie, you did it to yourself. But if you seeing the movie, knowing what we're talking about, that scene stays with you. Like that's in, it goes back to me saying like, I wish this movie would have came out later. When we talk about um, Hereditary, when we talk about Mia Samar and we talk about these women going through these moments of just utter devastation and pain. I can't even get the words out, but that scream, when she lets out that last scream, I had to sit there. Like the credits are playing and I could just still hear them in my head. And even scarier for me, and obviously this movie isn't scary at all, but Pauline's face. Cause you know, like we said, her head is shaved. Her eyes are so watery that they just look white and so blank when she's um, in her mom's arms. And it's just so much to take in because, of course, we just got thrown into the middle of this story. So we don't know how long this has been going on, 
all of the other situations, but the time that we've got thrown in and we've been with this family, it's just been so sad to see all of this happen. And for the mom, like she, you, you know that both of those daughters are gone. Like, well, obviously we know Grace is gone, but yeah, Pauline is on her way too. You know, she's out the door and you already know that they're not about to stay together after this. A divorce is coming. Yeah. So everybody loses at the end. Like that's it. And it's even, because we talked about this earlier, like with Pauline, I'm just going to go ahead and just finish sharing my thoughts and give my rating, like might as well. With Pauline's character, okay, we talked about how she she really wanted to help. Like the best of intentions can turn destructive if they're not being taken care of the right way. We literally kept pointing out all the times Pauline was like, I need help. This is what's going on, da 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 da. And everybody was trying to do everything else to slap a band aid on it besides really clean the wounds and understand what's happening up in there. And this movie is more in the drama thriller lane on the surface, but the horror is all there. This literally could have been on Lifetime. Like, you know, I, I, I have not participated in anything Lifetime since they released that disrespectful. God awful Aliyah biopic. I'm not going to do that today, <laughs> but this literally could have been on Lifetime. Of course, you wouldn't have had the dream sequences. They would have been cleaned all the way up. And what? I don't know. The end scene probably wouldn't have been as graphic, and the sex scene probably definitely would have been different. But this could have been a Lifetime story, basically. But I truly believe that there is horror elements in this story and I don't feel like it has to be on Jump Street like I know some people were saying like well maybe if she had of killed one more person before the ultimate surgery I don't think it needed that yeah I don't think it needed that either and I don't think that it was meant to be like a slasher and that she was this type of crazy serial killer or whatever it wasn't like you know I you're supposed kill to be scared people. of her or something yeah it wasn't like I want to kill people or whatever and she really wanted to help and I felt really bad because it was like she didn't realize that your sister is dead on the table there's no IV yeah. drip, there's no ventilator just nothing it's like old school slice and dice old school medieval medicine like mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I feel like she didn't realize what she did until her mom embraced her. And in that moment, you can kind of say for Paulina, probably felt like the first time her mom actually, like, really paid attention to her. Oh, I can still hear them screams. Oh, I have goosebumps. Like, they have been here since we wrapped the end of the movie. And, oh, this is not one of, this is definitely not a movie I would rewatch, and I'm not saying that to say it's a bad movie because it's not a bad movie at all. Like this is, uh, it reads like a PSA, to be very honest. Like especially the short, I feel like this is a cautionary short that they would show parents to be like, um, you need to watch your kids or something. I don't know, but um, it's oh, it's just a sad one. Like I don't even know what circumstance. I would tell somebody to watch this movie or recommend it to them. Like it's just oof. It's so sad. Yeah, but I don't think that I would watch this again, just like I wouldn't mm-hmm. watch Raw again. Just like I wouldn't watch... Um, I might watch that again. <laughs> I bought the DVD. 
I am not watching Raw again. But yeah, just like how I went and watched, yeah, I went and watched Raw again. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I can't. There's a few of these movies that I went and watched again just because how heavy they are. Yeah. So yeah, I'd watch Bride of Chucky all the time though. But right, yeah, like this one definitely. Like I have no idea. Like, uh, you probably got to just already be there to want to watch this movie. And like we said, like, this is not, we're not saying that this is a bad movie. We just saying this is one of them movies that you just got to be prepared for what you're getting yourself into. Podcast aside, normal John A on an everyday watching TV. If I saw this trailer and knew what it was about, I probably wouldn't watch it. Okay. That's that's just me. So it's like with some of these movies, where Mm. with me coming in not knowing what it is beforehand it makes the experience sometimes a little bit better sometimes it makes the experience worse like raw i wish i had known so i wouldn't have been eating while i was watching it but <laughs> it it yeah it just depends i um i love a good coming of age story so like this whole theme month for me is just like Ooh, because it is one of my favorite topics when it comes to horror, because there are so many out there, as I've learned, as we've been uh, reviewing these four movies, even though we're only on three, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. I don't know about this one in particular. I probably still would have watched it, and that probably would have been the only time I watched it. I don't see myself pulling this back out. I, I can see myself um, referencing this movie in, f- in the future but other than that re-watching it if I catch it like on a countdown or if by some off chance we discuss it in some other forums then you know I don't know I, I still might not re-watch it for the forum I might just have to catch like a highlight reel on YouTube and be like yes because it's it's that type of movie like it stays with you like we probably really didn't even have to watch it the second time we probably would have been fine off the first rip yeah I yeah I agree with not want having to watch it the second time because the first time I'm more so just watching it to watch it and then the second time I go back and deep dive right oh did you give your rating okay I teetered and y'all know I do this a lot I'm a damn Libra I can't help it I'm gonna give this an 82 I said what I said about it. I'm not gonna repeat myself and go into more I'm gonna give it an 82 so for me, like I said before, um, when this movie first started, I was ready to talk shit about you, Edgar. I didn't know who you were, <laughs> but I was ready to talk shit because the first half of the movie, I was like, this is lackluster. It's a slow burn. We're getting all of these daggone, um weird ass fantasy sequences. Where Where is this going? What What is happening here? Then, you know, as it progressed, I'm like, okay, I get it. It has some comedic value. There's some, a little bit of something here. I, I can see it. And then at the ending, that's when I'm like, okay, I really feel for you, girl. You, mm-hmm. you yeah. hugged on my heartstrings a little bit. Yes. So, like, oh, my poor I'm going to give it a 72. 72. What it do, baby? So, outside of us. IMDb gave it a 61, not 61, 6.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 84%. And then Letterboxd, which I've never heard of, gave it a 3.3 out of 5. I love me some Letterboxd. Let me tell you about some Letterboxd. Okay, look, I'm not, I'm not all the way into it, into it, but I use it, and this is crazy, I use it to write down all the movies that I've seen for the year. So every movie I've seen thus far in 2021, I have all of them down. So far, I think I'm almost at 40 movies. And that sounds like a whole lot. I know, I know. It, 
you know, I just sit here and just watch movies all dang day. But see, and the crazy part is, it's actually more because I'm only counting the horror movies. I'm not even counting like if I end up watching like Clueless or we just finished Civil War last night. So all of those Marvel movies, all of that. What are y'all doing? Um, you know, well, okay, so you remember a few weeks ago, I went out of town, so he didn't watch them without me. And then we don't watch, we don't watch them like every single night either. Like we like spread it out. Oh, see, nah, I will sit there and watch them all in, all back to back. If I'm watching something, Mm-mm. I gotta and watch then, it. <laughs> we in the territory where the movie's about to be three hours. Like, baby, what? Girl, we about to take intermission. Like in the old days at the movies. Mm-mm. I will sit there and watch them all the way Okay, All right, I'm ready to get off the ride now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Let's bounce out I'm to the shop. I would like a funnel cake. Ooh. Um, oh, not from this souvenir shop. No, you don't. Listen. Might get a bird intestine. It seems you survived. Well, before you go, join us in the souvenir shop. We have two covers but i'm only going to talk about one and this cover is um i'm thinking this is the dvd cover mm-hmm. so it has the top so it's this whole twin thing again where she has the at the top of this dvd color color dvd cover you have that fantasy version of herself where she's mm-hmm. in that white and she has like that her pretty hair her normal hair actually and you have the blood and then flipped upside down on the bottom of the cover is the awkward version of her i like that one the blood on her and you know the basically how she looked in the garage you know so it's like that you know flip side twin type yeah. thing yeah i like that so one a lot the cover that I wanted to talk about. Um, so another souvenir, I don't even know if this is really considered a souvenir from the movie standpoint, but like I mentioned earlier, someone decided to write a 57-page thesis about Jesus. this movie. And it's called The Monstrous Feminine and the Politics of Trash in the Film Excision. I'm low-key interested in reading. I might have to just like, save that maybe is it's online yes it is online um and i'll just read the abstract so it says richard bates 2012 film excision presents the life of alienated and troubled adolescent pauline in three narrative layers seen in her reality her prayers and her dreams with these representations as well as in her interactions with men and women, Pauline manipulates elements of the abject to control the behaviors, attitudes, and reactions of those around her. When analyzed through the perspective of Barbara Creed's theory of the monstrous feminine, wherein men and women in horror films shock and horrify for different reasons, Pauline proves to be a new sort of figure wherein elements of her monstrosity and horror are inextricable from one another. I've heard about the monstrous feminine and I I like haven't read it, but I've heard so much about it just um, being around the block of the horror community. And I am, I do have to say I am interested in that. So we're definitely going to link that in the show notes um, below. So before we bounce up out of here, I cannot let y'all go without some announcements. So 
April's theme is locked in, so we are not taking any submissions for that anymore. Um, you can visit our IG page at D180 Podcast to view the new park guide for April. And although we have not yet agreed on a name, you all can submit for May. You can email us at destination180podcast at gmail.com and submit any movie for May that you would like to see. The category, like I said, we don't have a name yet for the theme. We're still working on it, but the category is found footage. So you are, I don't have to even explain what that is. You guys know what found footage is. So if it's a movie dealing with found footage that you want to see us cover in May, you can go ahead and email and let us know what that is. Um, lastly, don't forget to leave us a review, boo. Like, tell us how you feel. Tell us, do you love us? Do you not like us? Like, are we doing something? Are we not helping you? Are we helping you? Because we're trying to get to the top of that horror podcast list or I mean somewhere on the list like just so people can see us and they can listen to us because remember what I say last week if you are not a survivor you are unmarked or you are dead and that's not cool not cool at all you know I almost broke out into singing Drake Kiki do you love me are you crying hey okay (laughs) is you writing is you writing with destination 180 because who else gonna take you on a better ride? <laughs> but anyway, that's it, survivors. We'll see y'all next week. Cause oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Okay, let me not act like this no regular outro. Next week we are talking about 1976's Carrie. And y'all, if y'all follow us, if y'all follow us on IG, y'all know I've been losing my goddamn mind over Carrie because I just love her. It's one of my top favorite films. And no Carrie White slander will be allowed except for the 2013 version because I despise that version with all that I got. But whenever I decide that we can review that one, we'll talk about it. But anyway, we will. This is what we're talking about when we say that, you know, this is a classic. You can watch Carrie over and over again. Over and over. Two and done. (laughs) I can't even say one and done. Actually, it is one and done, but we did two, so. But yeah, we go bounce out before we try to bring it back. All right, survivors. Peace out. Bye, (laughs) y'all.